sweaty and I have sex crotch. And it's oh. just like... <laughs> Uh, I don't know I what that is wreck. exactly, but I, I'm not sure we should detail it. Oh, you it's... know what that is. What the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Do you see this? What's happening and you're singing about it, you piece of shit? <laughs> I don't even know what to do right now. We were doing great. We were plugging right along through the episode. What are you doing to me, Dave? How's it going, man? I am very well. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Sorry I missed your text message. I uh, I was busy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no problem. <laughs> Hot. That's like my favorite. That's like my favorite use <laughs> euphemism for it. And what's funny is, is it's from a musical. Uh, really? It's from seventeen. Yeah, seventeen seventy six, and. Uh, the guy that plays Thomas Jefferson, like they're talking about how they're going to go to South Carolina to try to convince them to come to this thing in Philadelphia, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, you know, it'll be great. We'll swing through Virginia and I can stop by the homestead and freshen up the wife. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like she's just been going stagnant without him like... <laughs> Filling her up, I guess. Uh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, no. Jeez. That's my just tongue. spirals Thank out of control. <laughs> Thank you for hopping yeah. in there. <laughs> oh, oh man! Well, I know how you love me. How you been, man? <laughs> I, oh, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been good. I've been busy, oh, but but most mostly good. Oh, You're like all choppy. Ooh, yeah, that was jumping in and out. I th- it got bad, and then it got good. Is it still bad for you? No, you're good now. You're okay. Excellent. No storms here today, so hopefully the connection will hold out. Yeah, that's we had a, we had a ton of rain too. We actually had this thing. I was telling Ash, I was like, the climate change has gotten so bad that they are making up new things for the weather. They were like called cold funnels or something like that. It's basically like the cold front is so quick coming in that it's creating funnel clouds that don't actually touch down, but they're or and they're not destructive like tornadoes. But that's essentially what they are. Like they're oh wow. that just don't touch down. So. It's crazy. I'm terrified of tornadoes. <laughs> tornadoes are yeah. uh, a very fearsome thing to me, indeed. I've never been in one, thank God. I thought I was going to uh, have that changed recently, but um, when you oh, no, when you so were far, driving, I, right? I yeah, yeah, well, that's right. I saw you shortly after that. I was so scarred by that drive home. That, yeah, because there was all of the things that they say. It's like the sky is going to be green, um, and uh. Yeah, there was this one moment where, and I was on these backcountry roads because I was trying to avoid what I thought was the worst path of the storm. And I was trying to get to the library to pick up my reserves, go in the back way like an idiot. <laughs> I could have done that any other day, <laughs> but it seemed like a good idea at the time because off to the, oh. off to the, uh, what would that be? Off to the west, there was just pitch black 
clouds and terrifying looking dark clouds over where I would have been driving on the highway had I got gotten off. And then I decided to stay on the, what eventually turns into back roads is goes from kind of this, the Minneapolis proper to, um, like, I don't know, quite a sort of residential commercial. And then just eventually drifts into back roads on the sort of 35 mile stretch back to Northfield where I live. And, um, yeah, it was when I hit, everything was fine until I hit the back roads. And then it was just like, pouring down rain, green skies, super windy, hail. And at one point I was, there was like a bunch of just like debris flew in front of me. And I thought, oh shit, that's it. Because the way that the debris was floating did not seem natural. So I was like, oh God. (laughs) But anyway, I got through it and I witnessed no tornadoes. And the idea of tornadoes created in this other way, even if they don't touch down is sci-fi terrible to me. I, well, and like the forecast for us is like, it's fall, which typically are falls. I I mean, in Southwest Ohio, they're about the same as they were in Northwest, Northeast Ohio, right? Yeah. I mean, it's only about two hours, two and a half hours difference, but our falls are usually like really crisp and dry, right? Like we've gotten all of our rain pretty much. And like the, the precipitation doesn't pick back up until winter time. You know, yeah. like when you start getting your snow, you know, and like this week uh, going into next week, it's like rain all day long for the next like week. It's like, when did Ohio get in a monsoon season? It's so weird. Right? Yeah. We had something similar just this past week where the, I don't know if we, did we make it into town with you guys to see like the downtown where there's a river and stuff? Maybe not. Um, um, but there is a river. And I don't it's know. It's been overflowing, um, kind of dangerously, and that's starting to. No, subside. we did go. When we were there, we did go down to the town. He took us down there, and oh, geez, the bride took us down there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we haven't technically started the episode yet. I guess we're still like bullshit. That's right. Um, but yeah, so that my my I talked to uh, my brother today, and he was saying that there's a bunch of rain hitting them now, and he does landscaping, so that. Well, or lawn care landscaping. So, um, yeah, that kind of messes with his his day as well. But um, uh, I don't still... know if this is going to work, dude. It's yeah. cutting out really bad. Oh, no. And I don't um, know if it's my connection or your connection. I'm only getting like every third word. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, shit. Uh, I'm trying to think what we can do. Well, like um, FaceTime would work the same for me in terms of my recording. I don't know how that would affect your recording. Yeah, I mean, I really just need to be able to hear you, right? And I'll keep talking to the mic on my computer. Yeah. I just don't want, I just don't want, uh, I don't want to be able, I don't want you to come out so that my mic, because my mic will pick it up and then it'll have like that weird, like, oh, right, right. To it, you know, so, um, a, a lo-fi way to go about it is to do like an earbud in one ear for your phone <laughs> and uh yeah that's let me um let me go get my headset and we'll try that see but okay. it's like every time i start to think like this isn't gonna work then it like all clears up and <laughs> it, it comes looks okay back. you know like it's weird well no no you're stuck you're, you're oh, definitely no. frozen now yeah okay all right I'm let, me, uh, my, let me uh, let me go get my too. headset and and let me try that all right okay 
Now, my wife was surfing on her phone and streaming on her iPad at the same time, so that could have been part of it, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so well, so she's going to go to bed now. I apparently didn't tuck her out enough. <laughs> but we will... Uh, let, I, I, uh, let's give it a second and see if it, if, it, if it gets choky one more time, then we'll just switch to FaceTime. Okay. Because uh, that might have been what was, what was holding it up. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, I'm out in my uh, porch, but and I guess it's possible that that the bride is on uh, Wi-Fi too. But she, yeah, she's going to sleep. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's it's a super easy fix for me. I I have this basically a headphone jack that I would just plug into the phone instead of the computer. So, f- oh no, you're froze up right now. It's totally oh, okay. <laughs> let's, let's switch. <laughs> Shit. Every time I'm like, okay, this is gonna work. You're like, I look up and you're like in the same pose you were, and then I hear you. Okay, well, I'm gonna close. Uh, I'm gonna close the video call. I'm gonna hang up there so that the Wi-Fi can work on Facebook. Okay. Okay. Um. Okay. Hey, there we go. Hey. All right, and and my uh, my audacity is still running, so this should be okay. Check. Let's see here. My uh, that's not bad. Oh, hold on a sec. I'm mean, you're fine, but I plugged the wrong thing into the wrong thing. I was wasn't hearing myself, and I was like, why? And now I know. <laughs> it's the in to the out. That's what the wife's always telling me. <laughs> Tab, Tabby, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Uh, <laughs> okay, now that's better. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, Tabby into slot B. It's always Tabby into slot B. <laughs> Oh man. Well, okay. So it's a it's a good pretty good connection. So that was a that was a long fucking walk <laughs> for a short drink just to get started. Yeah. So welcome to episode eighty five of Long Walk <laughs> for a Short Drink. We got there eventually. Yeah. Um, you missed a lot. And I'm sorry for you because of that. Oh, it was gold. Um, it was gold. Golden. I'm all sweaty. I'm like I'm sweaty. I have sex crotch. And it's oh. just like uh, I don't know I'm what that is wreck. exactly, but I, I'm not sure we should detail it. Oh, you it, know what that is? You know, I mean, you know what that is? It's when you have. I'm not going to go into this because this is going to go on the internet, and I haven't even had my first beer yet. That's terrible. Yeah, I I'm about halfway in. So, all right. Um. Well, uh, yeah, it's been about a week since we spoke. What have you uh, been up to? Um, I've been, I finally got all of that, uh, like, resume and uh, cover letters and all that crap, like, figured out, and those have been submitted, which is good. Nice. I was invited to apply because of that, so uh, that's a good sign. Um, like to formally fill out the application and stuff online, which is nice. Um, so that's a good sign, but we'll see about that. Um, watched, uh, a lot of YouTube. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sorry. You just had this like far away look in your face when you said that it was... It was, I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't help but laugh. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of like, like interesting. Like I'm so, I'm so boring. I like, 
I was just talking to uh, a friend from high school and the other day, uh, and Ooh. current and current coworker. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, I just don't have a nickname for her yet, so I don't know what to say, like what to call her. That's okay. I I know who that is though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was just like I I know I've said it a few times. Like to different to different people, and I don't know if I've said it on an episode yet, but it's just like it's just really frustrating sometimes because we work really hard, Ash and I do, and I'm she was asking me about not Ash, but this friend was asking me about uh, applying for this new job and like all that stuff and like what I want to do and what like do I want to get out of education and all that, and I'm just like. I'm crippled by the fear of like making the wrong choices again. Like I have a series of like poor choices that I made in my twenties that got me to where I am or where I was, I should say before I met Ash. Hmm. Uh, Cause a lot has turned around since I met her, but it's just like, I'm terrified. I don't know if I can go through another round, another decade of, of then looking back and being like, well, you made like three or four like really key poor choices and that put you down the wrong path to like now you have to work doubly hard to get out of it, hmm. you know? And, I mean, just because like everybody's having babies and everybody's having, everybody's buying houses and everybody's like doing all this stuff and like Ash and I combined make double the money that my parents did when I was going to high school. And we live like, sometimes I feel like we live half as well, you know, like we rent hmm. and like we live in a, like, I love our neighborhood, but it's like, it's a pretty crappy neighborhood, you know? And, uh, I don't know. It's just crazy. So there's that and like that all dealing with, but it, getting these resumes off my plate, like that really helped to get that off my plate and like, know that's going somewhere. Cause I can always deal with, I can deal with circumstance once it happens. It's just the anticipation of getting there, you know, like I'll be like, if I get interviews and I get this job and I switch, like I'll be totally pumped and excited about it. Like I'll be like gung ho and in it to win it. But it's like getting there. I'm just like, Oh, this is so tedious. Like I got to the point where like writing this resume where I was just like, I had everything on the resume that I needed to have on there, but it just looked like shit. And I didn't know, I just would, I stared at it for four days and I was like, nothing changed on it. And finally I was just like, I gotta, I gotta have new eyes, like new eyes see fresh. Right. Yeah. What'd you do? So we gave it to Ash and was like, go through the Senate to like four different people and was like, I just need something. So then, and then it all came together and it was fine. But I just like, I, I get stuck with things on my plate and I just like feel like I spin my tires trying to get them off my plate. Yeah. That, so, I can relate to that. But you know, we're getting through it. I'm plugging through like the school year is going relatively well right now. And, uh, dad's still in a holding pattern. So, um, I'm going to call him tomorrow and see if he's heard anything on his, he got a third biopsy. He's at home right now, which is awesome. Uh, he, for the last couple weeks, he's just been kind of relaxing and enjoying time away from the hospital. Um, they're going to do another round of chemotherapy, uh, which is good. Um, he did a, he had a third biopsy on Friday that they're just waiting for the results to come back in to know when they're going to admit him for the next round of chemo. 
So, got that. Uh, Ash bought Ingrid Michelson tickets for ah. us to go see Ingrid Michelson. That's going to be exciting. I know of her, uh, but I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't hum you a tune. She's the uh, she like girls chase boys chase girls like oh yeah girls chase boys chase girls that's, that's Ingrid right. Michelson. Yeah, yeah, actually, that so. that did spring into mind as soon as I finished that sentence. But that's only in the last couple yeah. of years. I mean, she'd been around for a while, so she must have a, a catalog. Oh of yeah, such absolutely. Gems. <laughs> um, and Ash loves. I mean, and Ash knows all of her music and really loves her a lot. So that's uh, that, it, I mean, and it's going to be a good show. Um, I'm excited for that. Outstanding. Yeah, the bride and I are going to. I don't want to say it correctly, but Cigaros, Cigaros, Cigaros. Hmm. I don't know. They're an Icelandic band. Uh, oh, who I hear about a lot and i have one of their albums that i got around the time that she and i were first getting together so it reminds me of that period and uh my uh drummer friend from uh, my band was had seen them it's been at least like four to six months ago and he's just like i just saw cigarettes it's one of the five best concert experiences i've ever had if you can somehow get tickets definitely go so yeah so i got tickets pretty easily <laughs> there's still tickets on sale actually here in minneapolis but um yeah so we're going there tomorrow <laughs> and uh and then we just got i got tickets today for a a, a touring broadway show called fun home that she's really excited oh, nice. to see nice so those are our our uh, theatrical engagements <laughs> and musical um, coming up i don't know if uh if it'll make it anywhere near you, but there is a traveling performance of Once, which is the adaptation of the Frames movie. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, I I know you know, you would know the Friends, um, but one of my coworkers, who I've worked with since, at, at like two different schools, her brother-in-law is the lead in that. Oh my so God. There, um, it's, it's playing in yeah, at EJ Thomas, uh, this fall. And, uh, I, I'm pretty sure they're touring with it. So, um, if you see once that comes around, is, uh, is your he, area, uh, is he new to the role or is he the guy that's been touring with it for a long time? I have no idea. Like no, no clue. She just sent out a text like to all of our friends that said uh, he's going to be playing at EJ. It's performing at EJ Thomas. He's got the lead. So uh, if you want to go, let us know. So, oh, wow. That's amazing. I've heard nothing but good things about the theatrical show for that. Um, I have um, same my same drummer friends that I must go. And I'm a big fan of the, the movie once and the frames, uh, the band that, that Glenn Hansard comes from or his band. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think for me, my my I, had, I don't have a very good attitude about the, about or that's not true. I don't mind that. Maybe it is true. I, I a little snobbish about it because for me, the. I mean, that movie is a just kind of a quasi fictionalized version of the people in its real life to some extent. And it's got a very intimate vibe and the songs are written by those people. And uh, some of them predate the movie and were adapted because the, the guy that made the movie once uh, was 
the first person to leave the band the frames back in like 1992 or three. Oh, so it was kind of interesting like the first guy to jump ship uh for that uh that band eventually kind of brought more notoriety to that guy and has gone answered in his music as anyone ever <laughs> um, yeah but anyway so i'm such a big fan of that guy and those songs that to me it's completely tied up in that and when i see the theatrical play you know it's that's much more about the story and the songs and so it's so weird for me to see like a fake beat up acoustic guitar and like kind of carefully right. dr- carefully dressed disheveled people looking like they're from fiddler on the roof or something and right. so while i've heard amazing things about it i i fear that i would not be good company in which to see it and the bride is also a fan of the the music and stuff and she is is rightfully um dubious of my <laughs> uh, feelings about it and she's like i think she wants to see it but she's like i don't want to see it with you because <laughs> you'll just be a dick <laughs> no i can totally get behind it. like i mean it seems a little forced right and a little fabricated the movie is fantastic and and i can see what they're thinking like oh well it's a movie about music and that just screams stage right but yeah I don't know. I, I mean, I can get behind that. I just don't like musicals, period. Like, even once was pushing it just a little bit as far as, like, I can do musical, like, that's a movie about music. Like, they're they're performing music. It's not them just, like, breaking into song. Right, right. In the middle of their everyday lives. That's the piece of musicals that I can't get behind. Yeah. Um. There's so, that, there's that, is that, uh, maybe it's even you that told me the adage of, like, what it is about, uh, musicals is that supposedly then the musical numbers are supposed to start when the the emotion couldn't be expressed properly through dialogue or, i mean it's supposed to be motivated and somehow like that but uh, i have the I same trouble with, <laughs> i have the same trouble with it you do it makes me uncomfortable because everybody else around the person singing <laughs> yeah, just... either also breaks out into singing <laughs> or is pretends like the person around them isn't singing. Like if you, if somebody just like broke into a choreographed song and dance in the middle of some tragic event happening in your life, you'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Do you see this? What's happening? And you're singing about it. You piece of shit. I'm just envisioning a, a musical where that happens, where the, you're the character, they start singing, and it's like this genre-bending thing where you say that. <laughs> It'd be amazing. I mean, it's just, it makes me as uncomfortable as watching The Office. That's mm. what it does. Uh, you know, and people would say we're miss, you're missing out on both. I could agree about The yeah. Office, but it doesn't really change your feelings about it. <laughs> you yeah, know, it doesn't no. make you not uncomfortable. <laughs> well... We started Parks and Rec, and it, it kind of has that same effect, too. It makes me a little uncomfortable when I watch it, but not as bad as The Office. Like, I, there's something so cringeworthy about The Office for me. <laughs> yeah. I, it's it's like Steve Carell's, Steve Carell's character is just, like, so ignorant to his awkwardness, and that's, you feel bad for him. Like, you feel yeah. bad for Michael Scott, and you're just like, and he has no idea. <laughs> like if you if you could somehow go into the TV and just be like, I am, I feel so bad for you, and like hug him, he'd be like, What are you hugging me for? Like he's got no, 
no, just completely ignorant to why he's pathetic. And that makes me feel awful for him. So I think it, later as, as they really dial in on it, 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 there is always that because I, I I've heard that a certain, I don't know who it was that talked, maybe it was him, Steve Carell that talked about the key to a certain comic character is, is their obliviousness to their own, like the way that yeah. they perceived. And, um, I th- they do this inter- I don't know it uh as it goes on they find this nice balance of the awkward and sweet and it feels sometimes like Michael's kind of in or like he's more self-aware but not yeah. so much that it ruins the character I don't know yeah it's a, if if you're longing for kind of a especially as you get further on into Parks and Recs and stuff if you want more of the same that is from the creators of the American office. So it, okay. it, you, you could even just like, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise jumping ahead, but the season one of the office is, is a short season and it starts to change oh, yeah. pretty soon. I think we've, I think we even have made it past that. I mean, we've tried it a few times and we, I, and we've made it deeper into it. It's, um, you know, it's just that, it's just that awkwardness, that awkward feeling. It's funny because you said like the key to a good comedic character is them not knowing how they're being perceived. And I watched a great YouTube. It made, this made me think of it as I watched a great uh, video that like dissected the philosophy of Bill Murray. Oh. And the reason Bill Murray works for us is because he's in on the joke. Like oh, he plays yeah. every character like they're in on the joke, you know, like all of his comedic characters. And so he knows it's a joke. We know it's a joke. And then it's like he almost shares that during his performance with us as the audience. And that's why his comedic performance works is because like where he he, like almost like, can you believe this shit? Like just (laughs) if you and like just even me saying that line, can you believe this shit? Like I can just. I can just see him breaking the fourth wall and like that one shot that's repeatedly in so many of his movies of him just like giving that sideways glance at the camera <laughs> and breaking the fourth wall, you know, and like, um, so yeah, that's interesting. What would you say, um, with that same idea uh, about the character of, oh, I can't think of his name, but Zalka, Zach Galifianakis's character in The Hangover on the spectrum of Michael Scott to Bill Murray. Oh man. Um I I would think I would put him closer to Michael Scott. Yeah, but he doesn't seem but you don't feel as bad for him exactly cuz there's a certain strength to his ignorance yeah. or he feels really confident in a way. That and I was just about to say that. Like I I mean Michael Scott all of his motivation is from insecurity. Right. Like even like the like world's greatest boss mug like that. He's insecure and like he needed that mug to make him feel better, you know, and like Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover is just like, yeah, I'm wearing a purse. It's a satchel, though, (laughs) you know, (laughs) um, so I mean, I definitely would put him closer to Michael Scott, but it's the difference between those two characters, though, is total confidence. Zach Galifianakis is so oblivious that he is confident that he is correct. And and what's funny is, is like, you know, Michael Scott has things that happen and they blow up in his face, you know, and then 
uh, like in the first hangover, I really don't want to consider the other two hangovers. It's kind of like the Matrix trilogy for me. Like, uh, yeah. the first hangover is so perfect. And the other two, it's almost like the more you watch them, the more you're like, they should have, these should never have been made, really. Like, they're just like cash grabs, they feel like. The third one, especially. Um, I don't even remember that they just one. Couldn't, <laughs> yeah, neither do I. You, and I think part of it is because, I. well, we'll we can get to that. That Man, that, that would be a really long walk. But if we come back to the first one, it's like that confidence thing. You know, Michael Scott, stuff blows up in his face. And the running gag, there's a a really subtle running gag through that whole movie about his ability to play cards, you know? And, like, you think it's just him being stupid. Like, you're like, there's no way this fucking guy, (laughs) he wears a purse and threatens to beat up an old man. In white jeans. And just because he's (laughs) in white jeans, and just because he's, like reading a book about card counting like this is just like this some grandiose idea and then when it comes when push comes to shove like he actually counts the cards and wins their money back in one night you know like Mm -hmm. wins enough money like he can come through so it totally like the confidence totally pays off for him and even i guess if we do want to look at the other two like he still perpetuates his like relationship with leslie chow and he still like you know, he ends up getting um, uh, what's her name at the in the third one, and uh, yeah, it. <clears throat> I think that would be the huge difference between he's definitely more Michael Scott and where he's oblivious to his circumstance, but the difference between those two characters is total confidence. The ignorance feeds into confidence in one and is insecurity in the other. What is the so. his char- What is his character's name? I forget. Um. Oh shit! Why? Why can't I think of that? Phil? Uh, no, Phil is no. Uh, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, like Phil hair. Is it like <laughs> Phil's hair? <laughs> you know what's funny is that I I don't mean to diminish uh, what Galvanakis does, but I feel like you don't get to that character without the American Office because there are certain things about it that uh they get there they kind of they get there with michael yep. scott where his the same sort of things happen uh it's not actually as big it's not as big because he's wearing a suit and stuff he he doesn't wear white jeans right. and a big beard but i do very similar things with the the character in terms of the the dynamic that you just set up and and then in um in the office it's like instead of phil it's kind of vacillates between ryan the uh, intern who doesn't always stay an intern to uh, Jim Halpert, the uh, um, kind of senior, one of the senior salesmen. But yeah, I right. don't know. The, I, I'm trying to decide whether or not I think you should give it another shot, and I don't know. I don't necessarily think so because <laughs> it doesn't sound like I, a I mean, good experience. I'll I'll get in. I mean, I'm sure I'll eventually get to the office. There's just so much good shit, you know. Like Alan is his name, by the way. That yes, <laughs> yes, Alan. Alan. I saw but I mean, I, I totally agree with you, though. I, I, and I don't think, I don't, I don't think there would be a place for that. It's almost like Steve Carell, with his interpretation of Michael Scott, puts that flavor in your mouth. You know, like, and I don't know. I mean, that sounds really lurid. It's <laughs> like it did not sound that lurid in my head. But like, 
He would say, um, that's what she said. That's <laughs> what she said. It's his, it's his fault or the writer's fault or whatever that that phrase made it back into the American lexicon. But I, I'm such a child that I, I'm such a sucker for it. <laughs> I yeah, no, it, it that I always will laugh at the, that's what she said jokes. I'm terrible at pulling them off though. Like I, like it used to be, those would just go right over my head. Somebody would say, like, I had a friend that would just like send me softballs, like just be like, <laughs> would just be like, oh my gosh, I can barely fit this hot dog in my mouth, you know, like, like and say it like all, you know, like, exaggerated. And I would just be like, yeah, it's a big hot dog. <laughs> like, <laughs> see, it's funny because you're oblivious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm better now. But I, I got so self-conscious about my inability to pull off the that's what she said that I invented an alternative, which is like, that's my that was my dick's nickname in college. <laughs> which is a way better sentence. <laughs> yeah. So when somebody says something like, oh my, like, I'm trying to think like, you had a 10 great foot one. python. Oh. Like I got a 10 foot python. No, that was my dick's nickname in college. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that was the too, too obvious, but. Well, that's yeah. okay. That, that makes the point. I remember you had a great one when you were out here. I can't remember what it was though. That was and that was the first time I heard you use that uh, yeah. <laughs> joke, which is great. So I'd love for this po- podcast to catch on, only for that phrase to sweep the, the, the nation. The that world. was my dick's nickname in college. I think we had one. The we came up hashtag. with another one too. Oh man! Oh, the nickel nickel for knob that you. Had. Oh, nickel for a knob. Yeah. <laughs> Nickel per knob. Nickel. Right. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Jeez. Um, so. So you got some concert tickets. I saw some YouTube. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, we watched. I watched. Uh, a, I would say probably a good two thirds. Maybe a little less than that. A Turbo Kid. Oh, um, yeah. Just to like refresh my memory. So we can talk about that today. Yeah, I got some notes um, on that from. And I oh, rewatched man. the trailer, but I, I couldn't rewatch the movie. I mean, not that I wouldn't want to. I just. Yeah. No, it's. And, and you know what? I, I honestly, though, I would highly recommend, though, when you do get the chance to do a second time, because you're just so. I think any of those. Set, I, I mean, and here we go right into it. Like, we're probably just going to go right into Turbo Kid now. Like, you just go. Any of those send ups, you're, you're usually just so enraptured with the oh my gosh like it's got a synth soundtrack and they're riding bmx bikes and like and they have like oh man and they have the like the the like blood fountains and oh this looks so great and then you got michael ironside and with a patch like a brass eye patch and you're just like from top gun nonetheless michael ironside (laughs) and robocop like he was like wasn't he like the the like shitty executive in robocop i'm so embarrassed to say i've never seen robocop (laughs) i don't even i don't even know i don't even know what to do right now i don't even know we were doing great we were plugging right along through the episode isn't that what are you doing to me dave i don't it's not that i don't want to see it you could you could recite i'm i believe there were at least Three to five Jean Claude Van Damme movies that you could just recite to the for entire sure. <laughs> the dialogues for right now if I asked you to, and you did you never saw the like 
it that movie is credited with like that that defined the R genre, like the R-rated genre in the 80s that they it it pushed the envelope on all of that stuff. Oh man. That's my new homework. Yeah, I, RoboCop is at the top of the list. Isn't the it? Top I of just the list. never had the proper motivation. I was very actor driven as a kid, like watching actor movies. Um and there's just nobody in that movie that I followed, I guess, enough to, to come across it. The other sad truth is that I was either like kind of, if it were male actors, that was one thing. But if it were female actors, there was always a, like a more prurient agenda. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, also I wasn't aware of being involved in that movie. So I saw a lot of like classy pictures as a kid trying to see boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I mean, but they're boobs. As a young teenage like boy, that's what that's how you see boobs pre-internet era, right? Like, oh, yeah. I think that is much more innocent than what teenage boys are able to do now with the internet. Oh, like, I can't even begin to wrap my brain around it. I, could you imagine? By the time they're like, by the time they actually get to have sex, they're probably so desensitized, and they've seen such horrific things, like. I can't even. I can't even imagine. I, I've heard just a random, not a random, but I heard a kind of an anecdote from. Um, he was like a professional athlete in his early thirties. That it was something yeah. akin to that, where he was like, when he actually had sex, he was disappointed, and he was sort yeah. of rattling off these things that he expected to have happen. Um, and that's and a thirty-three-year-old, not- let alone like. That's only like four years older or four years younger than me. Um, right. Right. Oh my God. That anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, so, I, so I haven't seen quick Robocop because there's no boobs. Well, I, <laughs> no notable um, boobs. Yeah. I think there are boobs in it, but there's no notable. Boobs. I was figuring, I was figuring that there's like, and there's correction. Be. <laughs> like Michael Ironside is not the villain, like the bad guy, the executive bad guy. And I was thinking of total recall. He is oh. the bad guy. And, uh, who, which is wait? Don't tell me who the bad guy is in RoboCop. Is it somebody that is it like a Michael Ironside type that I could guess, or is it a um trouble? I, I that's a, that's like Peter Weller says trouble really awesome in that. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like no, Lance Henriksen or something, is it? No, 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 no. Um, it it is. It is kind of piled with like eighties trope actors, and like you're like when you like see it, you'll be like, "Oh, I know these guys." Like I know uh, there's. Um, let me see if I can. What's find the it. first name of the big bad guy? Um, there's Dick <laughs> Jones, uh, Ronnie Cox, hmm. uh, Kurtwood Kurtwood Smith is uh, like Red from the '70s show. He's like the thug villain. Um, yeah, uh, Miguel Ferrer. Oh, I know that name, but I can't. Yeah, he, he's he's who I was thinking of as Michael Ironside. He's like the executive bad guy who works for the corporation. And then Red from that '70s show. Uh, oh, Kurtward. I just got. Figure, yeah, I just remembered who it. That's the dad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kurtwood Smith is his name. He's like the actual criminal bad guy from RoboCop. Okay. Um. But yeah. Definitely check out. Oh, gosh, it's so good. I, oh man. Yeah, it's, I it's, almost want to. Oh, oh, sorry. Um, well, it, it is. It's kind of like it's great to be me in these in these ways because I have really enjoyed 
the things that I have been an enthusiast of and uh, like they don't tire to like I've returned to them and I always love them even if I can even if I can say like oh that's maybe not necessarily good I don't even think that way I don't even think about whether it's good I was just like I just love this and I, right. I continue to love it throughout time and because then I'm so focused had been so focused on those other things I have all this great stuff to look forward to like the Stephen King thing that I've been on um, I mean, there's yep. whole musical acts that I'll just put off because like, I'm sure I'm gonna love that someday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I haven't yep. started. So, and RoboCop has not been necessarily in that category firmly enough before, but I now have sufficient motivation. I think it might come nicely paired with Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> we should do like a dude movie episode. Like I, I'm looking forward to like themed episodes. It could be so argued like, that all of our movies, all, all of our movies are dude movies, I guess. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's probably true. Though, do you, um, I mean, I like a lot of quote unquote chick flicks. Do you like any? We could do a chick flick movie. Oh, sure. I mean, I grew up on that stuff. Love Actually is probably, oh, I mean, yeah. that's easily in my like top 25. Probably that movie's fantastic. I love that movie. Um, but Beaches, they're doing a I've Beaches never, I've never seen Beaches. Oh, I feel man. less bad about that, but <laughs> that was my mom's favorite movie. So I watched that a lot, like a lot, a lot. And then. <laughs> I watched it so much, and this is embarrassing, I mean, not embarrassing to admit, but I watched that movie so much, and it's so special to me because it was my mom's favorite movie, that uh, Lifetime Movie Network just greenlit a remake of Beaches, like a modernization of Beaches, yeah. and I was like, those sons of bitches, <laughs> like, I was just, like, so pissed. I'm like, wait, like, I, I got angry just until the point that I realized I was getting angry about a Beaches remake. And I'm like, who gives a shit? Like, you're ever going to watch it? And like, when was the last time you watched the actual Beaches, yeah. like the original Beaches, you know? So Beaches is um, like your, your once. You're like, how dare they? Yeah. I will not patronize this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. So. Um, so Turbo Robocop. Kid, though. Yeah. Robocop oh, is no. a must. Turbo we, Kid, yeah. Um, yeah. Robocop definitely put on your list. And maybe I, I, I want to watch Maximum Overdrive when you watch that because I feel like we brought it up a few times and we want the, like, we want the, the this machine just called me an asshole to be, <laughs> yes. like, the intro to our Stephen King stuff. Yes. So, like, and it's from that movie. So I definitely want to refresh my memory on that. I mean, do you want to do you want to do a king? Because uh, I don't have tons of king stuff, but do you want to do a corner before we get into Turbo Kid? Or yeah, come yeah, back no, to we can totally do that. Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. Uh, what are you on right now? Um, so I just finished um, Night Shift, the, sh the collection last night, and so okay. I had, and that's where Maximum Overdrive comes in because uh, you know you and I were uh, texting this week about that. So th when, so I the audio collection that I had to work from left certain stories out, like uh, I. And now that I think about it, I remember that that there's not all the stories in yeah. his short story collections. There he doesn't he doesn't. They don't record all of the short stories for audio. 
Yeah. It's almost like this handpicked list. So, and I wondered about that too because you know notable among the omissions was Children of the Corn, which was one of the first Stephen King titles I was aware of through movies growing up. You know, they right. show it on WOIL Fox nineteen. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I never saw it, but uh, but I, I was aware of it, and so that was one of the ones left out that I did have to sort of uh, read. And so I finished the audiobook a couple of weeks ago, maybe more, and. Um, I have been trying to, so, so next up for me would have been that I uh, would have been the stand, which is, you know, huge. Oh and, yeah. That's a big one. Uh, what is today? today? Um, so yesterday was, um, Bruce Springsteen's autobiography was released. So I've been trying to like okay. get caught up cause that's a big book too, like a 500 page thing. And if there's anything I like more than Bruce Springsteen music, it is Bruce Springsteen talking about music. And so I just can't wait for, for this thing. So I was so excited to start that that audiobook. I, I mean, I got the book book, but I it's so hard to find time to read more than a few pages for me here or there. You read when you poop. That's when I read. Uh, well, you know it's funny. I I I, uh, I don't do that as much anymore because I don't want to associate the book with that activity. With, with poop? <laughs> well, I don't know. I. Or maybe, I, yeah, I don't know. That's perhaps best left undiscussed. But um, so the, in short, though, I was kind of trying to gear up towards this thing and clear the slate so I could just dig into this boss autobiography and listen to the sweet, dulcet tones of Bruce Springsteen talk about his life and times. And um, and then I see, <laughs> I go to download the audiobook. It doesn't come out till December 3rd. So I was like, uh, motherfucker. But that helped motivate me to make sure I did read those things to get through Night Shift and such. So, oh, yeah. um, so I did that. And uh, I want, among those uh, stories... You're definitely more committed than I am because I did not go through... I did not go back to like fill in the short stories that I missed through all of my, oh, well, my musings. I definitely wonder, oh. and I'm so early on in the process and stuff, but uh, their chronology. But I, I definitely wondered, like, why would they leave these out? But a big part of it for me is I love to listen, and I love to have an edition of the book that is of from the time it came out, because that's just fun to see um, and sort of be part of, like, helps with the kind of traveling back in time or whatever. And then even to time, you know, in this early 70s stuff, I wasn't even around, but... Anyway, and then I love to watch the movies that are iconic and that I've been aware of, like Children of the Corn and stuff. Right. Um, so, but I was reading this short story, Trucks, and so, so I, I kept, for, every one of these short stories other than Children of the Corn that wasn't read, and there was maybe only like four or five of them at the most, I really right. thought twice about like, eh, am I really going to do this? But my own sort of OCD got the better of me. And trucks, I, I was just like, ah, I kept starting and not finishing. And there was something that happened. I couldn't get anything. Like I, I needed to not make noise or something. So I had the book by me. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to read this. And I'm about midway through and the trucks are taken over the, it's all trucks in the, in the short story The they're taken over and they're kind of becoming sentient. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself of that one scene from maximum overdrive. And then the, some kind of a poster of a big, a big truck. And I'm like, could it be? Because I'm thinking I'm going to have to wait until I somehow come across whatever maximum overdrive is either in the chronology date wise. 
I'm, right. I'm, I'm stressing about this. I'm like, I got to pull the, I want to pull the audio from that and the music for the segment. But it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to break chronology because I'm crazy. And then, right. <laughs> so I'm halfway through the story. I'm like, hmm. And I, I Google it. I was just, <laughs> I, I must have literally thrown my fist in the air in the middle of the night. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> when you're supposed to be quiet, like when yeah. you're supposed to be quiet, you're like yeah. dancing around that it happened to work out. Yeah, she's like, what? Uh, I, was like, I get to watch Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> this machine oh, called me man. an asshole. <laughs> Honey bunny, come over here. <laughs> Who calls somebody Honey Bunny? And I then, always think of Pulp Fiction with that. With that oh, phrase. yeah, that's true. Um, Jeez, yeah. Why didn't I even piece that together? Say, bitch, be cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But so, so yeah, so that's coming up. I think probably even this weekend for me, if I can get it together. I have to finish the other half of Children of the Corn. I didn't quite make it through that yet. The movie, I mean. Malachi. I don't know if I got that far, but... Oh, I made it like the one guy's name is Malachi in the movie. Like that the, sounds, uh, yeah, that sounds right because they all had the uh, biblical names. Very, that, very biblical names. Yeah, yeah. When they it, the the short story is kind of weird. Be, I don't know. It's like I, I don't quite know exactly what's going on, and then s- suddenly it dawns on the main guy basically what the whole conceit of the story is he's it's just kind of like oh i see and then he just rattles it off it's not the most smooth bit of writing but right right (laughs) uh but anyway so um notable to me so far other than the the leads being recognizable i mean got i mean she looks like sarah connor linda linda hamilton oh yeah it's probably right around the same time as the first terminator um, Absolutely. So I, um, when I was a kid and spending my time on the perhaps somewhat less popular uh, movies and franchises, my sort of Goonies was Monster Squad because oh yeah because I loved the Universal Monster movies as I previously discussed. Um, and one of the main characters of Monster Squad is in uh, is a is a main character in Children of the Corn. So I got a kick out of that. Well, that's awesome. And then I don't know if his name is Malachi, but it's like the redheaded guy. Uh, the red. Yeah. He. Um. I'm almost. I didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure he's the guy from Back to the Future that goes scram McFly. I'm cutting in and like pushes him, and then that's I the think moment that guy is. Yeah. yeah. I, I know exactly what scene you're talking about. <laughs> it's Absolutely. Like, that guy is such a dick, and his little mouth curl and stuff. I recognized him. <laughs> Oh, um, he like throws the Bowie knife down in the middle of like the Monopoly board. Is that right? Like, oh, I think so. Yeah, I think I've seen that yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, the other person I recognized was Scabbers. I think it's Scabbers from Harry Potter. The um, kind of he's uh, one of oh, them. You, uh, Peter Pettigrew. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he looks this it's got to be him it, he looks the same but as a young you know like it back in 1983 or 4 or whenever that was um it, it's weird to see someone with such pronounced features look the so similar at you know a younger age this is a, a, a short aside but it's but similarly like you know the actor mike i think it's michael shannon is his name he's a very intense looking guy he played uh general zod and uh, the oh movie. yeah, um, he was in. It must have been back to the. It might have been one or two. Uh, he was in the or the ballroom or uh, the 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 dance, the under the sea uh, dance. 
or the enchantment, what they, whatever they called it. Um, I don't remember where I, I, I had to see it pointed out. And I don't think he was just a background extra. He might have even said something. Um, but I'm like, how could I have seen that guy and not registered it? But when he was younger, his features were less severe and creepy. But um, Oh, yeah. No, he and he is intense. Oh I, I mean, he there is this amazing and it's old. I just ran across it, though. Uh, th- there was a, a letter that a sorority sent, like somebody in a sorority sent to all of her sorority sisters. That's ju- I mean, it's just, it's horrific the way she talks to her sorority sisters in it. And just like talk, like, like the phrase cunt punch is in this letter <laughs> is in this email. Right. Holy but, shit. I've never yeah. heard that phrase before. Hope I know. I never hear it, it again. But <laughs> as soon as you hear it, you're just like, whole oh, that reaction, that holy shit reaction, right? Wow. And so it's it's this long, long, long and it and it went viral and there were a lot of people that like did their take on reading this email. <laughs> but funny or die recorded Michael Shannon. <laughs> oh wow reciting this email he's got like a glass of scotch on the rocks and he's like in a dimly lit living room on a leather couch and he and in like a black suit it is the most intimidating thing i've ever seen like i i have no other way to describe it it's just so intimidating like um but yeah i did have i would never have i'm on imdb right now because i need to just see back to the future yeah, on there because that, that could is be wrong. <laughs> that that wouldn't. I, I'm trying to commit to the not looking things up. Like, so I'll be the guy who just randomly throws that thing. Oh out yeah, there yeah, yeah. No, no, you're fine. And fills time while you look. But I first uh, saw him in Bug. Have you you've seen Bug? With uh, um, no, Ashley with Ashley Judd, Judd. Yeah. and where they're in the like the hotel room and yeah. they like slowly go crazy. I have not seen that, but I've heard uh, great things about yeah, that. Yeah, it's definitely worth your time. I'm I'm a um well. I have not always been a big William Friedkin fan, but I'm a huge Exorcist fan. Like I literally think that the original version of that is as close as I could name to you as like a perfect film. So I love that movie. Um, Bug is a perfect film to you. Huh? No, no, no. The Exorcist, but maybe oh, Bug yeah, yeah, too. Okay. <laughs> Actually, Bug is. I couldn't tell you how Bug could be better, and it is as tense as all get out. And it takes place only in a hotel. Um, and both of them are just incendiary. Like the, it's incredible how intense that movie is. Um, I saw that when it came out, and then a couple of years ago, or maybe it was even just last year, when William Friedkin's autobiography came out, I went through his chronology. I didn't watch every single movie because he's not as consistently uh, brilliant as as some. But um, I rewatched it again. And I was just like, oh, my. I just that movie is mind blowing. It'd be a good one to watch this. Uh, holiday season because it's super creepy and super intense yeah well and i remember reading a lot about because it's such it's so intimate like it's for the bulk of it it's just them in the hotel in the motel room yeah. and like and like he built that motel room like in a in a high school gymnasium for them to shoot in yeah, and like right. and uh a lot of the time it was just the three of them on set, like while they were shooting and I am going to have to check that out. Is, is he in, is he in back to the future? Okay. So I didn't see it listed on IMDB, but I found this, it says seven films. You didn't know Michael Shannon was in. <laughs> Maybe back and to the future have, too. 
Maybe let me let me see. I well, I didn't see any Back to the Futures on. I I mean, but I just oh, did you're a looking quick, at him, like yeah. a quick glance. Yeah, I went to his IMDb uh, and looked to see. So, Pearl Harbor, Eight Mile. <laughs> it was an Eight Mile. That's awesome. I've never He's seen in that. Groundhog Day. Where is he in Groundhog Day? Yeah, he's been at it a lot longer. I mean, if he's in Back to the Future, that was 1980, what, four that was filmed. Yeah. Bad Boys 2 he was in. Kangaroo <laughs> Jack he was in. <laughs> Kangaroo Jack. World Trade Center, Before They Know, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Mm. And that looks like it was it. Oh, I might be making this up. He only goes back to, <clears throat> his film credits only go back to 1992. Oh, wow. Okay. <clears throat> um, Damn it. Um. Can you just Google him and Back to the Future? I gotta know. That's what now. I did. That's what oh, I did. and it Let didn't come up. Here. Okay, I could just be wrong. I did Michael Shannon Back to the Future, and it's, and uh, people also ask. I must just be wrong, because it would come up. I mean, and it's got to be the internet where I saw it. I don't think I watched Back to the Future and was like, "Hey, that's Michael Shannon." I think it was one of those things where it's like, "Did you know?" Damn. Michael Shannon. Well, Michael Shannon and Jeff Nichols. Can't win them all. Yeah. Eh. I I mean, it could pop up in two episodes from now that we end up finding it. You never know. Yeah. The I internet mean, can chime in someday. I, I made, <laughs> I've, I've made so many. I Just even thinking back on the episodes that we've recorded, I've said so many inaccurate <laughs> things. Like, this is seriously. We're just At least we were able to catch this one before we put it into the annals of time that just, we have to, like... Dropping breadcrumbs for for a potential audience yep. to seize upon and and shit on us for. <laughs> yep. Uh, so King so, Corner, um, just to kind of move through that, I guess. Um, I also read the. Oh no! I it was that this one was one of the recorded ones, but Quitters Inc. I don't know if you remember that's where the guy's trying to quit smoking, and uh-huh. ultimately they threaten and and do terrible things to his family as part of the motivation for him to not to smoke. Oh, by the way, how many days? 86 days and what I'm is coming up on I'm coming up on three months rock on do you have that, that that app that says how many days you got back in your life and stuff because I found that oh yeah very yeah. Uh, fascinating and motivating I, <laughs> to hear. I I've saved almost here this is all good stuff because I mean some of this blows my mind so like I've gained six days back in my life nice um so far, so my cravings, my circulation, my nicotine levels, and my carbon monoxide, those are all bottomed out. Like, they're not even registered anymore. In terms uh, of I, being in I'm gonna take a place? screenshot. Of, I'm going to take a screenshot of this so you can see what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, Because it, it makes a little more sense. So let me text it to you real quick. Awesome. There you go. Oh, yeah. There it is. Okay, so like the top line, the top line up there is the that's the number, the amount of time that I've statistically put back onto my life, wow, um, that I've made back. So six days, eight hours, eight minutes, fifty one ish seconds, right? Um, the skull <laughs> represents that's that's how many people have died from smoking related deaths since oh. I quit smoking. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, what's the heartbreak? That's, uh, so I have those two, the heart and the lungs. That's, I am at, I am still at 97% essentially 
risk of heart disease related to smoking and 98% risk of lung disease oh my God. in relation to smoking. Um, so we want those all like that whole line is basically all bad. Like we want those all to bottom out. Okay. Right. They'll, they will come down. The more they come down, the better it is the heart and the lung part. Uh, if you look at the other stuff though, so like over on the side, that's how much money I've saved. Oh, wow. Roughly of yeah. smoking. And that's almost $500. It's like 441 bucks. Hell yeah. Um, circulation, carbon monoxide, nicotine levels. Those are all bottomed out. My cravings are finally, I, I'd like, I had a really bad day on Friday. Not really bad. Like there was anything bad. Craving wise, I had a really bad day. Like Ash just happened to randomly ask me, like, how's the smoking going? And I was like, honestly, if there would have been, a, if I would have had access to a cigarette, I would have smoked it. Oh, like, wow. doesn't matter how many days I've been not smoking. Doesn't matter, like, whatever. Like, if I would have had a cigarette, I would have smoked it. No questions. So, um, it's good that I didn't. I mean, I didn't oh, stop yeah. on the yeah. way home, like, or anything and get any. So, like, my lung health is still, like, really high. Like, that's still in the red. And, and, and I mean, all of these are all arbitrary. Because, like, I had to put the information in for it to calculate this anyway. So... It does update all this stuff from like the World Health Organization. So like you're getting like it, it is like corroborating some of this stuff, but you still got to take all of it with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, but it's motivating, the, right? I mean, so it's not it taken is, by a Fitbit or something. No, no, no. It is totally motivating. It, it, like you put in all your dates, like you put in your key, you put in basically the day you quit, how many cigarettes a day you were smoking and the cost per pack of cigarettes. And then it figures all this out for you. What about, um, what about the craving thing? How does it calculate that? Do you have to? I think that's based on just this data and statistics that like oh. that's where it would pull from like the World Health Organization and stuff. So okay, um, I don't ever enter. All I do is the initial setup in this app, and then it it just it just keeps calculating on that. So like, um, the one that always gets me, the one that I think is like more impressive than anything, is the not smoked. So I've not smoked. 1472 cigarettes since i quit smoking Whoa, that is, that is the kind of number that jumps out at you because that's high yeah. whoa yeah i mean to just think like 1500 cigarettes i've not smoked in you know three months essentially um wow that really that one always blows my mind more than anything else like more than the 500 that i've saved you know and more than any yeah anything else like that i've not smoked 1500 cigarettes so that's amazing that's all that's that's fantastic i have quit nothing in my life so <laughs> nothing nothing yeah, that was you hard to quit any, you haven't you haven't started anything terrible either so uh, he says taking a swig of beer <laughs> eh, but i mean i don't know i don't see this as i don't see this as a problem if you're not like it's definitely not as life instantly life-threatening it seems yeah, and it's and it's a matter of like I mean, there's a difference between a habit and addiction. You know what I right. mean? Like Yeah. So like it's a if if you have a drink or if you drink this every, you know, 3 nights in a row, that would be a habit. But if you have to drink on the fourth night, that's an addiction. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, and you can um function uh properly right and in, in, interferes with your yeah right 
And um, and it's amazing to like think now because I'm at the point now where I can really think of I can look back on my smoking and I can like, man, it controlled so much of my life and dictated so much of my life and just like, I can't do this until I have a cigarette or I'm going to do this and then I'm going to have a cigarette and or like oh it's time to have a cigarette and I would just drop whatever I was doing or oh I don't want to do this thing. So I should go have a cigarette. And then that gives uh, me a good excuse to not start this thing and um, a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. But I'm finally getting to the point, though, where I can accept that, like, I can accept, like, oh, I might actually, I might actually be quit. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, wow. Like, so. Do you have a previous uh, record? Do you have a previous record or anything? Well, in my first marriage, uh, I was quit for a year and a half about. So, um, soon as I get past that, like, I mean, the one year mark, that's going to be huge. Yeah. I, I think if I can make it to the year mark, I'll, I'll feel pretty confident. Um, there's still, I got into this conversation with a coworker the other day and it was just like, um, you know, do you even think about it anymore? And it's like, I think about it every day. Like, I'm going to think about it every day for the rest of my life, hmm. you know? Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I worked for a guy who he had quit smoking like 25 years prior and I asked him, I was like, do you still think about it? And he's like, I think about it every day. Think about wow. having one every day, 25 years later, you know, like, but then you have to think about it. Like Ooh. you have heroin addicts, like they, it, any addiction, heroin, alcohol, exercising, eating, you know, any of those things like you have to make that conscious choice and you never stop making it. You just like you make the conscious choice to do it the first time or enough times to get addicted to it. And then it's like, once that switch gets flipped in your brain, then you have to make the conscious choice to not do it. And, uh, you know, there addiction is fascinating. If you've like never read any, any research or anything like that, there's, and there's a lot of like conflicting research and viewpoints on addiction. And uh, like one just recently came out for probably the better part of three or four decades, maybe even longer. Uh, addiction was really viewed as a disease. And that's and that's almost mainstream, right? Like oh, you, yeah. You know, like you have th this is a disease that you need to fight and this is how you fight it. And I like three months ago, three or four months ago, I had a, I read an article that there's new research that is supporting the idea that we need to stop treating addiction as a disease. Cause there is, there is a conscious choice that's being made. It's a, it's a combination of like dependence, like chemical dependence, and then just poor decision-making. And huh. if we can intervene on the poor decision-making part, it'll make the dependence part easier to overcome. So you need to intervene on that, that like that, but that can only start once you acknowledge the fact that you're making poor choices, like you're still making a choice and it's a poor one to do whatever yeah. you're doing. So, um, I don't know how I feel about that, but I, it just like goes along with like addiction is fascinating. It's yeah. Just, I actually have never read up on it, but very coincidentally, I just heard, uh, Dr. Drew on a podcast talk for hours about addiction and addiction related things. And at one point the interviewer asked him to kind of get into 
that that issue and he's like well it's going to take a, a minute to like unpack right. what it is right. and he he laid out a bunch of um medical uh things <laughs> uh the the only thing i remember he, he comes down on the side of it being a disease versus i think the way that he pits it is a disease versus a syndrome i think yeah um, yeah anyway i i literally though never heard it discussed in terms of technological and he wasn't talking about smoking in particular he was talking about addiction in general and i think primarily more heavy drug addictions but uh but it's also interesting too in that he was talking about the treatments and he's like i would never he's like i'll never ask you to stop he's like if you do what i tell you you will 100 percent be successful in kicking whatever you're trying to to rid yourself of and he's like i will never ask you to not use drugs uh, all, I will ask you to do a lot of other things, you know, that, that if you don't do those things, then you won't use drugs. So th- to me, that sort of suggests the other thing about the decision-making, but, um, right. Right. Anyway, it was interesting to hear. Um, I'm very, uh, it sounds, um, what is it? It sounds like a little, it doesn't sound like the right word for me to say that I'm proud of you for, uh, having this many months, but, uh, it mm. is very, <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, I appreciate it. No, I I'm like sorry, it. I burped. No, it's great. That uh, was a good. Uh, I was starting. You know, I was th- I was getting close to talking about the ships and the. <laughs> <laughs> so, my Stephen King progress this week. Steve, we'll bring it back. Oh wait, we'll wait, wait before you do that though, I, that's a super quick tidbit. It, that's about quitter, about the quitting smoke. Oh okay, story. yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, geez. it's it, no, no. It's very quick. It's the that Quitters Inc. is the name of the company that that helps quote unquote people. But the address for that is two thirty seven East Forty Sixth Street. So yeah. that's the first time I've come across the number two thirty, and that's you know hot on the heels, at least in publishing uh, of The Shining. Um. So yeah, I was just thought, I thought I'd throw that. But out I think in case you knew. I think though that's one of the contentions they make. Did you watch Room Two Three Seven? I did see it. And you know what's crazy? Twist, odd twist of fate that we'll have to talk about another time. I was in correspondence this last week with one of the producers of that film. For a oh totally, really? For a totally unrelated. Uh, oh, that's thing. awesome. That's um, that is absolutely fantastic. So I was able um, to throw that tidbit out at him too. It's like, by the way, I'm sure you know this. But. I think, <laughs> I think that, uh, but I think though that that's one of the things Kubrick changed is the room number, like the haunted room number. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's two three seven in the book. Oh, interesting. Ooh, that's um, fascinating. Let me see here, honey. Honey, buddy, this machine just called me an asshole. Get over here. <laughs> I always think of it like the beginning of uh, that David Caruso show where he says something like Arch. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I guess he got burnt out. Yeah! And the who kicks in. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I want it to be. <laughs> oh, man, um, now I got to know. Um, 217 is the number of the room in the book. It looks like. Wow. And according to IMDb trivia, legend says that management of the Timberline requested that Stanley Kubrick not use 217 for a room number as specified in the book, fearing that nobody would want to stay in that room ever again. Kubrick changed the script to use the non-existent room number 237. Wow. So that is probably a total coincidence unless kubrick was you know really up on his stephen king and 
and pulled it from that. Wow. Could be. I mean, it could be. I think it's a coincidence. Yeah, I go coincidence. That's, that's more likely, I suppose. But I here here I thought I was stumbling on one of the reoccurring things and is is his catalog. So the other little note I had made was actually from one of the other short stories called One from the Road, which is not in the audio uh, book. And yeah. that again, I almost skipped. But the big um, conceit of that story is that a, a handful of, or not a handful, but a, a couple of characters have to return, have to go to the town of Salem's Lot um, in a snowstorm and encounter vampires. Um, what is this? What's so, oh, Oh, yeah. you're saying like one of the short stories that happens in the short stories? Gotcha. Yeah, which is weird and not necessarily weird, but it's, I don't know, it's fun that the that the the stories kind of interconnect in some way. But in, in Night Shift, the, there's Jerusalem's Lot as a short story. And that one yeah. doesn't seem to connect directly with Salem's Lot. It almost seems like perhaps spurred on by some of the ideas in that he eventually got to Salem's Lot. I could be wrong about that, but but one from the road is definitely refers to the events of Salem's Lot and builds yeah. upon them. But you're saying like Jerusalem's Lot though kind of mirrors the same circumstances that happens. It seemed to suggest that kind of haunted house, but it wasn't the Marsden house, and it wasn't yeah any of the. I don't know. So I, I wondered about that because I wasn't, I didn't, you know, it says in the publication, like what appeared where, you know, um, I don't know. I was just kind of speculating there because I kept wanting it to be some sort of direct, that that short story, Jerusalem's Lot, to be a specific, have a specific backstory connection or something to Jerusalem's Lot, or sorry, to Salem's Lot, the, the novel, yeah. but it didn't seem to. But it was, then I was fascinated by the fact that the very... Uh, it's not the very last. It's second to last in the in the book is this one from the road, which is not in the audio, so I had to <laughs> read it the old fashioned way. But um, I was I was happy about the fact that that one was referring to the same town and seemingly after right. you know, shortly after the events of the of the novel. But that's all. And then I've started the the stand. I'm uh, like a chapter or two into oh, the stand. Oh <laughs> man, that's so good. That's what I hear. I, 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 uh, I'm actually not any further than I, I started to read an ebook version of it over the summer when I couldn't. And I was just like, this is not the way I want to do this. But, uh, so I'm just kind of caught up to that same point, which is like the end of chapter one. You know, and here's the thing I'm, so I just started under the dome. So I'm oh. in 2000, I'm in 2009 on audiobooks and I've already been through under the dome. Like I, I've already listened to that audiobook already. Um, it just happens to be where I've fallen now in the chronology. Uh, I made it through a couple short stories. Um, whatever, however, I have the audiobooks. They're like this last batch. It wasn't broken up right, but just after sunset, I think that's what it's called. Like I had that. Then there was like a couple. Like the one was only like an hour long. It was called um, Morality, which yeah. was really good. And then uh, there was a short story that he co-wrote with his son Joe Hill. Oh, which was his po his pen name. Yeah, Joe Hill wrote a book called Twentieth Century Ghosts, which is a collection of like modern uh, ghost stories, which is really good. And then this story that they wrote together is fantastic. I I loved it. Um, oh wow was really awesome what, and then did you now say what that was, did you say what that uh, was called 
Uh, that is called, uh, why can't I think of it? Uh, let's see here. Sorry. I thought you actually did. So <laughs> I thought I did too. And then now I, I'm now I'm second guessing myself. Joe Hill, Steven. Oh, there was a really great article that popped up in that, that said it, by Joe Hill that says how I, how I overcame my father's shadow. Oh, wow. Like, I was That'd be a hell of a thing if that's your dad. Especially to follow in the same profession. Jesus. Yeah. I I mean, well, and then when your dad's Stephen King, right? Like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, any published author, like to try to become a published author, author after your parent became a published author, right? But then if you're your dad was Stephen King. That's just, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so like, I, I couldn't even, like, I would just be like, I, I mean, you just want to be like, how did you, what, what were you even thinking? Trying, like trying to do like, yeah, again, some... I guess if you could, if you couldn't be happy doing anything else, like if you're, I, I, the only thing I can think of is like, he just, that's the only thing he could imagine himself doing. You know, or like, yeah, maybe he wants to follow in his dad's footsteps. But I have I have heard from multiple sources. He has since published actual novels. Mm-hmm. And I hear they're all fantastic. So oh, wow. maybe once I, I I am so close to like finally being done with like caught up with the audiobooks <laughs> like yeah. on Stephen King. This is like such a hurt. There's actually yeah. a piece of me that's really excited to get out of Stephen King and like start listening to other <laughs> stuff. Because I've been doing, like I said, I've been doing it for the last three years. So, that's, and then that's probably so incredible the, to me. <laughs> and, and, well, and then probably like the five to seven years before that, like I was doing, I was alternating between the Dark Tower series and the Harry Potter series on audio. Nice. And they, like I would just, I would finish one series and I would go to the next, like the other one. And then I'd finish that and then I'd go back to the other one. So, um, because I was really driving a lot and it was just great, great noise. And the Dark Tower series is just, I swear every time I listen to it, like I hear new stuff. It's like, it's like the never ending story and the never ending story sequel. <laughs> um, if you've ever, like, if you, I mean, the, the, this is going to be a really obscure reference, but in this, in the beginning of the sequel to the never ending story, Bastion is back and it's not the same Bastion, first off, but he's back. <laughs> Look of disgust <laughs> on your, your face. Oh man, like not the same Bastion. It's some like blonde haired, like Oh, I remember that because that guy was yeah. in uh, sidekicks with Chuck Norris, if I'm remembering correctly. This, yes, this, this yes, actor. same kid. Yeah. Same kid, right? <laughs> fuck so that he's kid. not Bastion. Yeah, fuck You're that kid. Bastion. <laughs> You're not Bastion. He's back in the bookstore and the um the, the bookstore owner recommends the never ending story again. And he's like, I've already read it. And he's like, well, some books are different if, every time you read them, ah. uh, which led to, because then he reads it and it is, it's nothing like the last time that he read it. Like the, for, you know, and that's how I feel sometimes with the dark tower series. When I go through it, it's never the same. Oh, wow. Like it, I always find new stuff and new depth and new ways to think about it. Which really is what spawned me on this journey of going through the Stephen King audiobooks because, you know, you're talking about now how he's already made connections with a short story, two short stories relatively in the same book of short stories that already tie to another novel that he wrote, right? So he was already doing that. 
that early in his career, he was tying stuff together, you know? Um, and then you get so far and, and he'll, he has even said this, and I don't know if this is just like fictionalized to help support the dark tower or if it's, if it's, if it is accurate. Um, but he has said that he realized being so far into the dark tower series, he realized that all of his books were really about these books. Oh, they were wow. really, they, they were really all leading him to these seven books about the dark tower. And, uh, Holy shit. And I'm sure, I'm, I, I'm sure it's that, that part is probably fictionalized. It, it definitely sounds a little too romantic or, you yeah. know, like it's the kind um, of hindsight thing where you can, you know, where you're like, Oh, I see now this all, you know, I, right. I, I wouldn't discount it as true. I, I think it probably is trumped up. Oh, not to use the word, but oh, yes. oh. nice. Well played. Well played. Yeah, well, get it out now because in November, hopefully, he's not going to be our president. Oh my God! Um, so, as happy as I've been about certain developments this week of like Springsteen bios and JCVD shows, yeah. and sometimes like I just was like, oh my God, it's such a great time to be alive. It's like, well, also, there's a megalomaniacal sociopath this close to like being oh. in the president's office. Yeah, whatever. Oh man, fuck that guy for sure. Fuck yeah. that guy. One of the other reasons, uh, one of the many reasons to love Bruce Springsteen for me, it was he re- he caught some hell recently because he's pr- promoting this book and he called Trump uh, something like a f- like a fool or s- something really innocuous. Like, and then you know people were expecting him to like backpedal or something, and then he <laughs> doubled down. He's like, and he's also an asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck. <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, oh, Stephen awesome. King, it's um So uh Throttle is the name of that story with Joe that written by Joe Hill and him. Yes. It's, okay. it's and it's re- and it's really, really good. What um, year? No, sorry. Uh, like, I would oh, say I probably like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Oh okay. like under the dome is two thousand nine. Okay. Um or that's maybe that's no the un- one... under the dome I think is earlier. I think eleven twenty two sixty three is two thousand nine. Uh so I'm really excited though because there's been since Under the Dome or, or since eleven twenty two sixty three, which is the last audiobook that I have on my iPod, uh, there has been great stuff released, you know, in the last five years. Like there was like the sequel to The Shining came out, which I have oh. not watched. Oh, uh wow. he he or or listened to or read. Um there's he like some trilogy because that that just finished up when the book tour that he was on this last tour was like the third yeah. of this trilogy just came out. The like is that the like Doctor Sleep trilogy or whatever? Uh, do, I know Doctor Sleep because I did read that one. That was the Shining sequel. It's something about oh, okay. Watchmen or something. Uh, uh, oh okay, yeah. Night Watchmen maybe. Oh, that might be it. <laughs> but there's like three of those. So I'm really excited to get to all that stuff and but to get caught up so I can read other things too. or or listen to other things too but um also in stephen king news so like there's uh i think it's james patterson oh yeah that's a my uh father-in-law likes him a lot and the bride as well um you know stephen king has not been kind about (laughs) like in in interviews when like he has come up right like like he's called him a shitty writer because he's like a yeah he's like a popular writer uh yeah um, but I guess he was going to release a book that the whole plot of the book 
was like the murder of Stephen King. Like a fan, Jesus, <laughs> the uh, a, a fan of Stephen King started reenacting Stephen King's work and ultimately kills Stephen King. Oh, and then clever. he decided, <laughs> this, yeah, like decided uh, at the last second that that was probably in poor taste, and he pulled like they pulled the book, but it was like weeks from being released, like so they, oh, it they probably have they it was written and probably p- like printed, and Whoa. he would like pull this like said no, I don't think we should put this book out, like <laughs> holy so, shit, that's yeah crazy. Um, uh, so that was it, James Patterson, James Patterson. That seems like the the auth, the kind of or maybe like Carl Hyacin or something like that. So I'm just thinking of authors my father in law likes. I feel bad. <laughs> but, uh, James Plat- Patterson plans to write the murder of Stephen King, then cancels it. Whew. Yeah, Stephen. I was just talking to actually one of my students about. Uh, she asked me about my tattoo on my forearm. You know. Oh, uh, I was gl- I was glimpsing that tonight because we're talking in this different way. Uh. Yeah, I don't think I've caught a good... Oh, wow, yeah, what is that? So that's all Dark Tower stuff. Like, Whoa. Oh, yeah. Um, I... We we just happened to like to... For it to come up, and... uh, Because she was reading... She was reading The Fault in Our Stars, and she was, like, towards the end of it, and I was like, oh, you know, like, how is that? And she's like, it's so sad. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I know you think I'm just a stupid girl. And I was like, no, like, I was like, I'm a big fan of the series of books. And there are characters that you're in. I mean, the the series is probably four to 5,000 pages long. And you spend the bulk of that with these, like, with this core group of characters. And then... When they, like, there's one that dies, and, like, when the first time I went through the Dark Tower series, and that happened, I'm trying to be as oblivious as possible. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I don't want to do any spoilers. <laughs> but it's just, like, when that happened, I mourned for three days. Like, I, I seriously, like, I oh, wow. stopped listening to it the first time and just, like, put it away and was like, I don't know if I want to finish this. I don't know if I want to keep going. It really affected me. It, like, I had never had a book affect me like that. Like, the, you know, and I've read all kinds of shit and watched all kinds of shit, and I've never had that happen before. I, of course, kept going, awesome. which was, which was, yeah, no, 100%. And she's like, and then she asked, like, what book series that was. And I said, it's The Dark Tower by Stephen King. She's like, oh, now I'm going to have to read that because I really like Stephen King. And I was like, oh, he's so good. <laughs> so then we started talking about um, Dreamcatcher. And she's like, it's so weird. I was like, yeah, that was the that was the first one he published after his accident. He's like, what accident? I was like, oh, he was almost killed, yeah. like on Father's Robert, Day weekend. By like, Robert Patterson. <laughs> yeah, no, no, by a drunk guy in a van, like yeah. ran him over. Um, so yeah, Stephen King, man, it's just so, he's just so good, but so so good. Yeah, I'm at the beginning of my journey. You're nearing the end. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's yeah. kind of fun. You know, he, and what's great is, is like, now that you're in the 80s with the stand and all that, like, the 80s are by far his best decade, in my opinion. Like, he, just so many good stuff comes out in that decade. And Oh, awesome. Even, even his little stuff is so good. And I mean, I'm sure there's people that would argue that. 
And, well, I mean, to be fair, like, the Dark Tower really doesn't wrap up until the early 2000s. So, um, I, you know, there, I still think the 80s are the, he is just at, he is at the peak of his game in the 80s. The stuff that comes out in the 90s, his, like, character development and his, um, he does really good, like, character pieces in the 90s where he focuses on like a lot of his books focus on like one character and you just really get intimate with that character which Mm -hmm. i really like uh but as far as like ensemble pieces with huge characters and like awesome stories i would say like through the 80s maybe into the early 90s it's that's when he's in his best. It's just so good. Like all of it is just like so devourable. Like you just want to binge on all of it. I love it. Love oh, it. Love it. Love it. Love that's it, love all. It. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited to keep keep at it. Um, well, speaking yeah. of the '80s, shall we wrap up with uh, Turbo Kid? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Can I take a quick so, uh, bathroom break before we jump in so I can enjoy it? <laughs> no, that's that's a great idea. I should probably uh, go down and grab another beer, at least one more, and have a bathroom break myself. So, I'll do that too. Uh, uh, yep. let's, I don't know. We want to keep them running? Is that probably yeah, for I'm Yeah, I'm not going to stop anything. Okay. So. That way it'll you. make it easier to like... <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you in a minute. Okay. <laughs> I'm still singing the theme song. I won, motherfucker. <laughs> that was kind of a tie, because I looked and it was an empty screen. That was really aggressive. I don't know why I said motherfucker. <laughs> it's all right. I appreci- appreciate the enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. I got two beers. We I got to get through tur- <laughs> We got Turbo Kid. We got Turbo Kid. We got to get through Turbo Kid in two beers, all right? No. I only have like a page and a half of notes. I mean, it's a small book and they're, they're short notes. So I think that's very doable. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no. I, I mean, it. listen, 
it, all of that kind of shit about we got to get it in this time or whatever that's all facetious anyways like we're gonna talk <laughs> as long as we're gonna talk about it like the name of the podcast is long walk short drink like <laughs> right <laughs> it's a we could be in here for another three hours talking about like walk. <laughs> sorry i i can't hear the sentence mm. without getting the song stuck in my head i know you're still <laughs> thirsty Ooh, but it's not what you think it was a long walk for a short drink that's Did you what just i come hear up with I, that? I, oh, yeah shit. that's the, that's the chorus that i'm thinking of that's the like the like um the uh, the oh. 80s working the title into the punchline like Ooh. I know you're still thirsty because it's not what you think it was a long walk for a short drink <laughs> yes. that's what I hear <laughs> oh that's great I did speak yeah. to my brother tonight uh, about that uh, amongst other things and and um, he's been he's been working on some other stuff a remix for Cram's he did this remix for Cram's uh, 2006 CD uh, stargazer about like it's like a 10 minute thing that uh he eventually did a lot of stuff involving space missions and he said like he started to not be able to sleep and stuff really <laughs> yeah um, wow but anyway so he's been wrapped up in that and some other remix things for for me too but uh so but we talked today for the first time about it, about like the sort of stan bush 80s uh rock anthem from movies and um yeah so one of those opens turbo kid uh that was one of my first the first things that caught me is like that's stan bush singing (laughs) really (laughs) yeah or it sounded like it and then i looked it up and sure enough it was i and i think he sang. i think he sang i did the same thing i didn't rewatch it recently but i think he did for kung fury also oh they brought this guy back to but to do his thing that does, you know, it's not surprising when you know what both of those projects are. When you like, because we're going to talk about Turbo Kid, we can give a quick. We've already talked about Kung Fury a little bit. I'd rather save though the bulk of the Kung Fury talk for when the actual like feature length movie comes out on Netflix. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Because I haven't I haven't seen it since since I first watched it. I uh, but just knowing that both of the projects are essentially, I mean, they're send ups to the eight like to the that like like canon films of the eighties, you know, like that's what, that's what it's really doing is like, is those weird beast master blood sport. (laughs) I've never seen beast master. Should I remedy that? Oh my God. Yeah. You should see beast master. (laughs) Jesus. I love beast master. It's so great. (laughs) Oh, what? how do you sell me on that one? Like I, who is, Oh man, I don't know. Should we get into? It's a guy that looks like he looks like a cross between it. Look, all right, the guy who plays the Beastmaster looks like Luke Skywalker trying to be Conan the Barbarian. That's how you sell that movie. (laughs) Oh, I do want to see that now. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Huh. All right. Yeah. So much to look forward to. That's why it's good to be me. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So I, one of the first notes I have, other than the Stan Bush song, is that s- number one in Laserdisc sales. Did they have like fake menus? I haven't seen it recently <clears throat> enough to remember that specifically. Um, no, that was the uh, the production company. They mm. made like a. I I felt like a lot of the production company, the like the companies at the beginning, you know, like in the opening things that they sh- always show, like the little blurbs. Yeah. For each of the production companies that had something to do with, and distribution companies that had something to do with the movie. 
the actual like the, I th- I'm assuming the company that originated the project made this like it looked like a mock-up of what you would see at the beginning of a film in the 80s mm-hmm. slash early 90s and then they had in there like the number one in in laser disc <laughs> sales and it was yeah. I think that really like tried to I think part of that was to try to place the mindset of where you're going these are send-ups yeah. to that era of movies and which is awesome because it's like those came out and then ultimately I would be willing to bet, willing to bet, those spent about a year to a year and a half on Netflix, and then Netflix bought Stranger Things, which had been shopped to like a number of different networks and all got turned down. Yeah, yeah. But Netflix is so, their algorithm is so amazing that I'm willing to bet that just based on because both of both Kung Fury and Turbo Kid were put, you know how when you get into Netflix, there's like always that movie that's at the top where they're like, this just got added and you should watch it because you'd love it. Yeah. And yeah. and those are different depending on who the person is. Oh, cool. And um, Kung Fury and Turbo Kid both spent about a month and a half in that slot on my Netflix before I wow. watched them. Um, So I'm willing to bet that they used the data based on the send-up of those two things that helped influence on them their decision in picking up Stranger Things. Yeah, I, I'm sure you're right. That makes all the sense in the world. Uh, well, I mean, I read, I don't know what the accuracy of this is, but they're true. Like when they started to get into, um, when they started to get into producing their own projects, they they took the data from their algorithm and basically it spit out that Netflix subscribers would love a show that was made by David Fincher and starring Kevin Spacey. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And we they might have made even, House and Yeah, I we think might have we already talked, talked about that. that. But and they that made a, House of Cards oh, and it yeah. took off. Yeah. And it was and it blew so up cool. and that was them like like and that was them saying, okay, we can get into production now. Like we can trust our algorithm. Yeah. So it, it would not surprise me at all. And like stranger things was like in all for all intents of the word, like it was a phenomenon. Right. Yeah. And it's, it, and to think that like things like turbo kid and Kung Fury probably helped contribute to that phenomenon occurring you yeah. know and that that just so the number one in blue in and laser just i almost said blu-ray shit uh, <laughs> that'll be in another in 30 years say, <laughs> yeah um i i think that definitely helped contribute to that i mean it's just all right what's your next note let's see what, oh um just a little side note on that because maybe someday we'll talk about this movie but it's a similar thing this so the movie that is made by the guy that uh, produced uh, Room 237 is mm-hmm. called it's called Terror the director's direct Terror of Frankenstein the director's commentary and it is a fictional director's commentary the whole drama takes place in the in the commentary you never see the people and it's played over top of this little scene uh, adaptation of the Mary Shelley novel from like okay. to the late seventies. And um, so that's all I'll say about it for now. But the beginning of this thing, cause I thought there was going to be some live action and stuff. Um, 
there there isn't it's completely the commentary of this movie that i've seen a bunch of times but most normal people have not and uh at the beginning of it they have like a fake menu so there's like a warning of some kind that comes up and then there's like a not permitted button as 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 in theory so i'm watching the streaming but the idea is like the person is trying to skip the menu but they can't and it puts you in that mindset of like watching a you know a dvd and then it goes to the dvd menu because the idea of this movie in some ways is that somebody stumbles across this commentary where some real shit goes down Um, right and actually it it reminded me a little bit of the last house on the left commentary for the cast where no real shit goes down but they get into some anecdotes where i'm just like jesus right christ but or the which we talk about one of the early episodes in the Jean-Claude Van Damme one where he just like leaves halfway through. But, yeah. Yeah. But the whole drama in this movie is around that and they set the scene because they can't really set the scene in a tech in a, in a technical way like we're about to get into a Turbo Kid with actual sets and music and stuff. They've got to deal with this movie and then some some made up staged dialogue essentially. Uh, but yeah, then they go to a, this fake menu as the person's trying to navigate to a, like a slideshow option <laughs> and they end up oh. going to the, to the commentary and then the whole thing unfolds. But so it's interesting. This kind of things are in the air where in this, in this era of where you watch everything streaming, certain films and filmmakers to put us in a certain place are using these things uh, from the past in terms of that way that we used to watch things on home video to help put us yeah. in the space. And and what's interesting is, is, is the target audience, I, I, I mean, it's arguable. We're obviously the target audience. Yeah. But the, 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 the consumers of media do not know what any of those references are. Yeah, younger ones, I like, suppose, wouldn't. Like kids, right? Like the, you know, the that 13-year-old demographic, they they don't know what a laser disc is. I I mean, I I, right. I would be willing to bet that none of my students would know that laser discs even existed, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure so, that's true. Um I really think that that I because there's another one of there there's like four or five production companies. I noticed this this is why I would recommend a second viewing of that movie. And well, maybe not your I mean, you even picked up the Laserdisc thing because I even thought to talk about that. Because I remember you having a Laserdisc player. I still do. Um, I have oh, a handful of awesome. laser like at that's the only chasing Amy. That's one of my favorite things in the world is the chasing Amy commentary track. And it's only Fuck DVDs. Yeah. And then I have it on laser disc and, and I f- felt that way at the time. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> because I didn't know what DVDs were, <laughs> yep. but, but yep. yeah, so you're, you're, you're going to say, uh, um, I, I think they really gave that treatment to all of those production companies because there's one, it's one of the, it's one of the last ones but it really reminds me of the Orion production company. Oh, this would totally like, have been like an Orion home video. If not. A yeah. Camera. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And oh, I don't wow. mean like, I don't mean the Orion there's, there was the, like in the mid to late nineties, Orion switched to where the, it was like the stars that spiraled and like Orion came out of that yeah. earlier than that. I, th- I, I think, Orion, it used to have this like desert landscape, this almost like earthy tones to it, and oh. it like yeah, and it has that look to it. But it like 
it just made it gave me that uh that vibe that orion it, it, that's what popped into my head is I, I i saw the orion um production logo coming up when i saw all those i think they kind of gave them all that treatment though of like of dating them because yeah. he says like in the in the opening um exposition which is the really the only exposition you get in the in the whole movie is oh, that what, like what is it i can't remember all off the top of my head uh it, it just basically it like, he, like yeah is... he like he like says like you know the earth is scorched and the water's all like dead and this is the post-apocalyptic future of 1997. Like, oh, that's, yeah. I love this. It's also so funny that we talked about this in the same week, because that is essentially the conceit of Cyborg <laughs> as well. <Really? laughs> yes. I don't think they specifically say 1997, but it's yeah. something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, also, awesome. with, before we move on from the production companies, my initial note was number Ooh. of production companies, and I was at like a blank space. So I must have gone back and counted. 15 is the number that is written there. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's so many. Well, and it might but, be true, you know, and some might be made up. Who knows? I think that, well, there's because I saw there's three, and there's across the 15 production companies, there's three countries involved in this. There's Canada, U.S., and New Zealand. Oh, so, so I mean, I, I guess that would be like five product. You know, you figure you have a production company, you probably have a distribution company, you probably have a post-production company. So, yeah, I, I mean, in <laughs> each one of those company, in each one of those countries. So, um, and then uh, this was obviously made independent, and then it was picked up for distribution, which means they're like that. Whatever that distribution company is, is going to add all of their own shit to it. So, yeah, <laughs> it is not surprising at all. The, I mean, the really the dead giveaway was there was like the the Sundance or there's like a Sundance or a Cannes. I can't remember which festival it is is mentioned in those opening credits. So this was probably picked up at one at a festival. And yeah. then that's when it just got the like canon treatment, you know, like yeah. I have n- actually never saw this anywhere but Netflix, though. So I've, oh. I, I haven't seen it anywhere, which makes it usually that when that happens, it's either a foreign film or it's just like so obscure that it just happened to make it onto Netflix, you know, like, oh, yeah, because yeah. that's just like a way to get it out. So, um, yeah, the number of companies that that is it is mind blowing but not surprising after you watch the movie. Like it's, it's, it's a very niche, uh, a a niche, um, audience, right. That you're going for. That would probably, I mean, Ash was just, she came home while I was trying to like refresh my memory about it. And it was just like, she was just like, I don't want to watch this. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I can understand that. That's amazing. I was like, it's really fantastic, though. She's like, yeah, I don't want to watch. I, you know, the thing I was really sh- shocked about in general before, like, we get to more of the kind of my chronological notes was I was not for some reason I was not expecting it to be super violent like it is, like cartoonishly violent. That's yeah. I mean, it didn't it didn't turn me off because it's so. It's not upsetting kind of violence. It wasn't sort of. I mean, maybe oh, it should yeah. be, but no, it wasn't. Like, it, it, it's the violence that like makes me laugh. It's so. It's like it's cartoony, you know. Yeah, like, with the, yeah. With the, so with the blood fountains and the like. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't, but but other than that, it was kind of in some ways what I expected. But uh, the so the the next thing 
and and obviously feel please please interject as you think of things as well but so i the i had the future just like a cyborg and he finds the rubik's cube and has a bmx type bike and then i just wrote fucking awesome opening rock <laughs> yeah that like synth rock it's just like yeah and i have the one line written down thunder in your heart <laughs> oh that's and, so and good it, and it says actually stan bush <laughs> as we've talked a lot about him yeah recently well and like oh, can we go back to the bmx bike for a second oh, it's please it's, yeah it's not it's the bmx bike that's like i remember these bikes that has the like plastic three or four hub it's got like Instead of wire spokes, I remember when I these first came out, and it was mind-boggling to me because <laughs> I had only ever seen bikes with the wire spokes where there was like a million of them that made up that wheel. Yeah, and then these these bikes had like three or four of them. Oh, you know? sure, like, they were closer to like car tires in a way. Yeah, there was like there was just like four big, bulky, thick plastic spokes that like formed like a peace sign almost right so yeah. it is truly like a dated bmx bike you know like oh man so just so good and like okay sorry but oh, yeah okay. like no the that's, that, like that's that, the idea it, it's just authentic and then the rubik's cube that doesn't turn it's like locked he can't <laughs> like like you know um and he's scavenging um yeah love all of that so far like I it's can, funny I'm too it reminded me the scavenging reminded me of the newest Star Wars. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I thought that same thing while I was watching it the second time. When I was you know, the first time I was just like, Oh, this is so great with the synth rock and the BMX bike. Yeah. And it was really hard for me to like get into the story because I was just so wrapped up in it. In, in the experience, like what they were trying to do more than the movie yeah, itself. All the references and stuff. Right, right. You know, I have this other note. There's literally a, a reoccurring line where the guy, where Stan Bush sings "Light the Dark," and yeah. um, it's hilarious to me because the, I haven't. I wrote a song and, a, and then named an album "Light the Dark." Yes, but, yes, you did. Which is not necessarily that remarkable in and of itself. But when I did that, I, I, you know, googled the name to see if it was like this kind of thing someone else had used time and time again. And it wasn't like I really couldn't find anything else. Refer- I'm not that it was, you know, genius phrase or something. It was just thankfully not a well-worn phrase. But then hearing it in this song a few uh, years later and um, having such affinity for that kind of music, ultimately, my, my song of that name is a very um, difficult, introspective and like kind of a, a acoustic-y ballad um but to hear it like sung by stan bush in that song next to lines like thunder in your heart <laughs> i was just like of course i named the album that <laughs> and it would be yes. this song because i love that shit <laughs> absolutely uh, so they i mean they had me right away they had me with the laser disc thing but once that happened i was just like I'll, I'll follow this movie wherever it's going and like for those of you listening like this is we are we are only up to maybe three minutes into the movie <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you still have another hour and 27 minutes left <laughs> yeah. of, of awesome greatness of awesome like oh yeah my, my notes drop off because i just got sucked in and was just loving yep. it yep yeah. Oh, 
Which, of course, yeah. So I have the, he was listening to that on a Walkman. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, which, I don't know. Heavens, I can't imagine people <laughs> young enough to not know what that would be, would be listening. But just in case, it's like, what? Like, you listen to music now on your phone. We had to listen on cassette tapes on a something about the size of phones now i guess uh yeah like that walkman is like big and chunky that he and that was like i mean i i had a walkman they were all about the same size there was like a limit to how small they could get yeah because the cassette was like (laughs) you had to fit a tape in there yeah oh tapes i had tapes longer than than most people because uh because that's what I had in my car. Um, that's what the car that I that I drove didn't have a CD player even in um, like nineteen, even in the two thousand or whatever. Wow. Yeah. Um, and Ash I w- is driving a car that still has a cassette player in it. Oh wow! I really liked it because I was also, I was still, I, I don't know, I this was especially in the late nineties and stuff uh, spurred on by Pearl Jam, there were still certain types of music that you could get on vinyl and, but not a lot. And I used to go right. to like record exchange and Quonset hut. And um, as I was buying like the YouTube catalog, I would get, I would get vinyl and I would get a tape and I would listen to the tape in my car and stuff. So I have fond yep. memories of tapes, both from like being a youth listening to, you know, thriller on my Walkman, but also, um, I mean, I got like Matchbox Twenty tapes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, oh, and I wrote the first ten minutes. Kid reminds me of Ray. Oh, and then there's arm wrestling. <laughs> it's like, that, it's like just when you think there's things not can't just, get better. There's not. I, the, I mean, okay, so like there's the obvious over the top reference with the arm wrestling, right? Yeah. But it's not just arm wrestling. It's that's what like that's what that guy is known for in this universe. <laughs> like his reputation is this like badass arm wrestler, undefeated arm wrestler, like that, like. To the point that I mean, spoilers, I guess. Like, <laughs> but that like when he finally gets meets up with Ironside, like, and loses his hand. That's a big like he. I, I <laughs> that reaction when his hand gets cut off and he's like, he still has a cigarette in his mouth and he's like, and he's like, motherfucker. <laughs> Yep, I have that. I have a line dedicated to that. Hand cut off, all caps, motherfucker. I can't hear it in my head, but I know that I. I mean, that's and then, not, like he never loses so the incredible. cigarette out of his mouth, and it's yeah. so it's so fantastic. Oh, oh, like, yeah. Oh, that's what you want from this oh, movie. It's, <laughs> and it's so. Here's the thing: is. The reason I love one of the reasons why I love this so much is they don't they don't explain anything. It's it's like why Mad Max Fury Road was so good. You're just gonna get in and go for the ride. Oh yeah, you know, like yeah, like you'll catch up. We're not wasting. We, we you'll you'll figure it out. There's not a lot to this universe. You need to understand for this story to be meaningful, right? Right. Yeah. And the characters uh, are mysteries to you, and they're they're revealed to you through action. Yep. Yep. And like. Like Apple just like randomly shows up. She's just all of a sudden she's there. But 
just as much as you're taken aback by her automatic, like her sudden presence, the main character is too. Like it's just brilliant storytelling. Like you're, yeah. you know, he is just as taken aback that she is just all of a sudden there as you are. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ugh, so good. I, th- that's what makes it so great is it's not just like an homage to the eighties. There's plenty of those that I think are kind of like forgettable. Right. right yeah. Yeah. But this is really well done on top of it. Yeah, like, it does that, um, you know, that that hero's journey thing, that Joseph Campbell yes. thing, like, perfectly. Yes. Like, the kid, you know, needing to go on this hero's journey that mirrors, like, Luke Skywalker's or all these, you know, yep. famous uh, stories throughout history. But, it, you know, it's a it's a great, they use great archetypes to good, ef- to, to good effect. Like, it actually w- right. works, even though it's a... Like this postmodern thing that's reflecting on other, you know, that's this kind of wink, yep. wink, but it still works, which is pretty cool. Oh, no. And it's great. And it definitely is the hero's journey. But then it also like you can look at it from the angle of like the geeky loner kid from the 80s movies who like has the crush on the girl and then yeah has his day to like prove himself to the girl, you know, and like, right. And, uh. I mean, there's a lot going on in this thing that is so... It's an onion. It's its so much deeper the more times you look at it. And Well, yeah. I related to it also as a kid that... That as as a kid, I saw things that I liked that I was inspired by. Like, he's inspired by the comic book that he loves. And I would want to emulate that, even though it was kind of yep. ridiculous to do so. Um, and... You know, from being, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I've just seen previous podcasts all, <laughs> but uh, yeah. so I, I've totally related to that. And then, then it was exciting, more, especially exciting then to see, you know, he actually gets to be some version of that hero. Um, yeah, it's really satisfying because you have the hero's journey thing that's, that's effective regardless and a story that would work, whether it was um, a throwback or not. And then you have all those tasty kind of throwback things, but you also kind of compound it with it being integral to the story with like the whole turbo kid and him, him being obsessed with these things from the, from the past that are his past, but also our past so that we have nostalgia for him as, as, as he, um, yeah, it's just such, it's such a delight (laughs) in this movie. It it is. It is so refreshing. And then, you know, the violence piece yeah, it's like I say that, and then I'm picturing people's like heads cut off by that saw. <laughs> I, I, well, that saw, and I'm picturing like the one fight scene where it's like it, it. I didn't make it all the way through it for the second time, and so it's been a while. It's been prior to when I first recommended this movie to you months ago. Oh, like yeah, you know, yeah. like that I had seen it. But isn't there like the fight scene where there's just like body like bodies <laughs> keep getting dismembered but then like stacked on top of each other like something or like something that, yeah. like that like <laughs> and it's just like so over the top ridiculous that you have There's no other choice but phrase. to laugh at it like oh it's so good like or, or just kind of root for it you're not like horrified like you should be <laughs> right 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 you're just kind of like whoa and i i'm going to tell you what like as far as villains go like michael ironside is amazing but that his like crony, his like second in command with the like hockey mask yeah. on and like the crazy hair. That guy's eye, he should have won an Oscar for his eyes. Yeah, no, like, that's terrifying. Like it's <laughs> it's so good. But not like I didn't find him terrifying. I find him like 
Like I find him, he's like the one guy that doesn't know this is a spoof. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's movie. dead serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which to me makes that like he's like the comic relief. He's supposed to be the one that you're supposed to be scared of. But to me, like every scene he's in, he's so intense. I'm like, this is hilarious. Like this. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's part of it too, I guess. But yeah, it, it, it works both. Like it works as him being this kind of. Yeah, like fearsome. He's like the is it humongous. I think it's the humongous in uh, in the Road Warrior, where it's just yes, this like yes. terrifying guy who you know must be disfigured, but just you don't walk quite away. See. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you think it's like that, but of course, too, he has like the saw for hands. <laughs> <laughs> And those insane eyes, like the eyes remind me of when Michael Jackson is a zombie in the thriller uh, video. They're just so like deep set and wide and scary. They're, they're literally the crazy, like they're like, I have, they're not driven by any sanity. They're like, when you see those eyes and like, he just keeps getting that shot where he like pumps his arm and the saw blade appears at the end and starts spinning and just like, and it's, it's borderline really cheap practical effects but it's just believable enough that you're like that's fucking scary <laughs> right. yeah you know what I mean? <laughs> and he's got the crazy eyes and the crazy hair to back it up and you're oh, just yeah. like oh yeah. man oh it's so good i wrote but, down um i wrote down to uh, uh personal bubble my motherfucking wait my motherfucking space arms like radius <laughs> yeah <laughs> What does it say? Femming only, maybe females only? Family only. Yeah. Okay. Family only. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. guy is awesome. He's like, my personal bubble. And then it like comes back later. He's like, my... And he does, and he totally butchers it because he tries to like yeah. explain it to Apple. <laughs> That's right. And like, I mean, because he's like the Obi-Wan. So like the, the arm wrestler guy is like the Obi-Wan right, character, yeah. right? And so he... And, it, and he gives him this big speech about like personal space in a man's bubble, and <laughs> and Han Solo, like he's got that kind of outlaw thing and yeah, the mentor yeah. vibe. That's uh, fair. It's great. That's totally. Yeah. And what's funny is is it, they come back to the personal bubble multiple times. It's like a running gag in the movie because yeah. I love it when he's like running with his cronies. They find out that his brother has been captured, right? And so they're going to look <laughs> for him. And so they stop and is like his his second in command is like, so what are we gonna do? And he's like, now we're gonna piss. And he like goes over <laughs> and he like goes over to start pissing and his like second in command like is almost touching shoulders with him and starts pissing. And he gets like so irritated <laughs> and like right. while they're pissing while they're pissing, he like pushes him at arm's length away. Like, <laughs> That's right. Oh, I love that. Like, and like, but he doesn't say anything about the bubble. No. So if you missed right. that whole conversation about yeah. the bubble, you didn't get the joke. Like, but the audience <laughs> is in on it. Yeah. Oh, oh I love man, that. it's so good. I have this thing where I I like that character extra because he has that Australian accent or New Zealand accent. Yes. Um, this is this is obscure too. This is never ending story too obscure, but it has that canon tie, I suppose. So there's a movie called Alien from L.A. Have you ever heard of this this movie? <laughs> I have, I think. I saw it because it was on Mystery Science Theater, but played on MTV in maybe like 1994. 
Oh, wait, you know what's crazier still, though? Remember how I talked about the reason I'd see movies? So I had a real thing for Kathy Ireland as a kid. Uh, and uh, she's the star of this movie. Um, and uh, it was this, uh, like, journey to the center of the earth type thing with her as the character through which you experience the world. And it's, you know, it's not a good movie. I think it's probably actually directed by, you know, Menachem Golem. Um, actually, I think... I looked up over the top when we were Albert talking about Pyan. earlier. Oh, he's Albert the other Pyan. one. Oh, you know, you know what else Albert Pyan directed amongst all kinds of awesome things? Cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching it. That's it. I gotta get it. I gotta get this off my list. I mean, just go down the Pian or Pyan. I don't know how to say his name uh, list, but anyway, so an alien from LA. There's a guy. He used to be on LA Law or something like that. He plays that kind of character in this movie with a horrendous Australian accent. Oh. Like, it's so bad. And half the Mystery Science Theater joke is like, you know, I'm he, like, he'll be saying lines and they're like, did I ever tell you I was Australian? They'll say <laughs> as like the joke. And that's their running joke is making fun of his accent throughout the movie. <laughs> but it it makes me appreciate that guy all the more because it's like, that's just like the, the terrible character from Alien from LA that I secretly like. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, oh my god. Then I of course have the line written down recently. I cut off Motherfucker <laughs> There's Motherfucker a bit, He's, there's a he got the cigarette in his mouth. So it's kinda like <laughs> any other movie it would be a piss poor delivery, but it's like he's got the cigarette in his mouth and he's just kinda saying it through like clenched lips because he doesn't want to yeah. lose he doesn't want to lose the cigarette that he has. Right. And then, right. And he's trying. You know what? Also, remind. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, but I mean, like, I don't mean like his character doesn't want to lose the cigarette. I mean, he's trying to like keep as an actor. Yeah. He's trying to like keep the blood fountain like going oh, with right. the cigarette in his mouth, and like still like slide out of frame because he's like falling with it. Right. right? And <laughs> it's oh. just like so like as it like he's in a like really like precarious predicament like right. as an actor <laughs> and it's like in any other movie it would be a poor delivery but for this movie it is like spot on perfect no that was one of my absolute favorite moments for sure there's something of the <sighs> or and i don't think it's influenced him but it reminds me also not just the alien from la thing but uh robert downey jr's character in natural born killers who has an Australian accent. He plays like a Geraldo Rivera type um, uh, TV journalist, but he yeah. speaks in this Australian accent. And towards the end, he's like, he kind of gets involved with uh, Mickey and Mallory serial killers. And he's coming over to their side of things. And I remember this thing with him with a cigar cigarette in his mouth. And he's like, shoot. How, now he's starting to shoot his way out of the prison as well. And he's like, oh, motherfuckers! <laughs> in the Australian <laughs> accent. Oh, <laughs> Oh, you haven't tell you I was Australian. Yeah, one last side note about that is that so we talked in the past about my uh, Crow movie, that my version of the comic book The Crow right. made as a teenager, right. etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So one of the characters, one of the uh, main gang members, we um, we were all kids. Thankfully, I looked older. I think that's the only reason, in some ways, that that movie's not one hundred percent laughable. Uh, but. Uh, Anyway, so we would encourage our friends who are not actors to assume what we just threw out is like, talk like you're from the streets. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, and so one of the guys, 
knew about this joke about he he knew he had also seen the mystery science theater alien from la and um so that's the voice he used so his whole character, the one that gets to like his face like slammed down in the cocaine right yeah and he's like, right. <laughs> okay I, I know what nephew. I'm talking about. I know what I'm I know. talking about. I love you so much for that. I have a nephew who's who's 14 now, and he's like he's about to invite a girl, like ask a girl to homecoming by. He made a sign out of candy that said it would be sweet if you come with me to homecoming, and. At 14, I'm making this movie where guys get his face shoved into cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just, just like, oh, sometimes oh, I wonder. Oh, man. <laughs> no. Anyway. Don't wonder. It was awesome. It was all awesome. Thank you. Oh, I think I just said I love how much the hero guy curses. <laughs> <sighs> Turbo charge it. Turbo charge of justice in the face <laughs> is that a thing somebody says yeah <laughs> i i really like the line oh too when they're God. in the, when like he comes back to save apple and they're in the pool and he gives her back the gnome stick and yeah. they're like coming up with the plan like the guy comes up with the plan he's like all right i'm gonna take that guy over there and then you you're gonna take that fat guy over there <laughs> and then he's like you two you take the big one and he's like all right do you guys ever all got the plan? And she's like, yeah. And she just runs off. He's like, well, I guess that's our cue. And she hits him. And she's like, say hello to Mr. Gnome. And like, <laughs> which the gnome stick for listeners is just, a, it's a broken baseball bat with a garden gnome duct taped to the right. end of it. Like yes. that's, that's oh. all her weapon is. So, ah. Uh, I have I have the word gnome stick wrote down written down that I liked. Oh, there's a couple quick ones that I we passed over from the Museum of Coolness of Viewmaster. Yes. I I had did you have a Viewmaster as a kid? I did. I um I had a Viewmaster that was like a I loved those. I found those so evocative. Cause they had I that still 3D love quality. Them. Like they're still a yeah, like the oh yeah. No, I'm right there with you. Um the one I remember best, like I remember I had Batman ones and stuff that I liked, but I had this sampler of various things that you get. And there was this kind of generic horror slide of, I don't know, just like monsters, I guess. One, I remember it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a werewolf, but like with an afro. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It was, <laughs> I wish... Oh, you know what? I, I that probably still exists in my parents' house. I gotta get it. But it was the stuff of nightmares for me, literally. Um, there was this. I used to have when I was a vi- when I was very young. Like I even have vague memories of being a crib in this room. I think that no, no, that can't be right. Anyway, but what would happen is often when I get to, it's still the same. If I get too hot, that will often spur nightmares for me. And uh, as a kid, I would have a nightmare, get up from my bed, take a right and have to cross a staircase to that would lead up to the second floor in this apartment to my parents' room. And then I would say, I had a nightmare, you know, whatever, let me lay with you guys for a while. And, um, right. and a very common one was, uh, sorry, this is a little detour, but <laughs> I kind of want to get this down someplace. <laughs> Maybe get it out of my subconscious. 
But it was, it was so the other part of it that's not the Viewmaster is uh, I had a storybook of the night before Christmas, and for some reason, when uh, this the this part of the story comes up where the guy uh, he laughs like the the guy in the nightcap or whatever looked at the room to see what was the matter. I don't know. For some, there's a panel of him in this storyboard or in this sorry storyboard. <laughs> um, storybook with his hands on his hips is this guy in one of those night gown type things for men but with yeah. a stocking cap with his head kind of thrown back in laughter that for some reason i always found to be very eerie no, no okay. reason why i mean we're talking i don't know uh first second grade at the very no first grade at the oldest no i was i was very young with all this and um so I would cross, I would have to cross over the bad dreams and there would be this darkened staircase, you know, the staircase that there, maybe there's a nightlight in the hallway, but it would descend into absolute darkness. And I found it the scariest thing. And so very often I would actually not very often. Uh, I'm trying to decide if it was often or like a rarity that made it extra awful. I think it might've been a combination somewhere in between. So I'd have this nightmare, have to pass this darkened stairwell, and sometimes I would see, like, the guy in the nightgown crouched at the bottom of the stairwell, just as if he was going to come up at me. It's kind of like that scene in Twin Peaks where Bob is at the foot of the bed. It gets, it was, and that's why I never watched Twin Peaks. I watched a couple episodes of Twin Peaks. That's it. Oh well. That's but I mean, listeners, if they if they've listened, like that would definitely go on my. I'm sure that resonates. For certain 80s, <laughs> 80s yeah. kids. But yeah. um, but anyway, so that would, and then that would make it all the worse. And I'd sprint into the room from there. I mean, it was a very short span of space. But yeah, the terrifying. worst. Like you could actually visualize that man being there. Yeah. I mean, like he was from he a storybook. Look, yeah. And he had he that look, look at, his at face. the bottom of the stairs, but you would, you could, he was physically there though when you would look. Yeah. I mean, to, to me. <laughs> What, no, no, no. I mean, obviously, he wasn't literally there, but when you looked, he was there. What, yeah, and what's comforting to me wow. in retrospect is that it was this fictional character. Thank God. Right, <laughs> you know? right, um, right, right. From a from literally from a drawn storybook, but the and then every once in a while, like it would be one of my parents was at the bottom of the stairs, which that oh. too, thankfully, is not. But it was always this kind of thing where they were acknowledging me, and as though they were going to kind of come up the stairs. Oh, it was awful. But the worst That's night terrifying. ever. Yeah, it's ter- I'm a little scared now. But <laughs> the the worst time, the worst this ever was was um oh god, sorry. So there's remember this all goes back to the viewmaster thing of this kind of vision of horror that was in one of these slides with like some of the some stock monsters essentially. But like the kind of atmosphere they were in was not like a specific location, but more like this nether world of just like what hell could be or something. It was oh, it was so that's... scary and like, you know, 3D and shit. So yeah. so the worst this ever got was I'm I, I go and I'm walking by and I see the guy crouched at the bottom as he always is, but this time he springs forward and starts up the stairs. <laughs> And so I scream and run into the parents' room, get into the bed with them, jump into bed with them. And then the fucking werewolf with an afro from the Viewmaster comes into the room. 
And I, I must have just blacked out because that's the scared, most scared I have ever or could ever that's be. fucking terrifying. <laughs> like, I you know. were actually, like, generating visualizations as yeah. a child. Like, I don't know what it was. Like, it was kind of crazy I, fever because, dream, but, oh, it's scary. <laughs> it's bad. That was oh, not in man. a museum of coolness. <laughs> that was no. in a museum of, like, <laughs> sort of mental terror that uh oh man so sadly that's at the edge like as soon as i hear the word viewmaster i'm like i had those I, it was awesome i had a thriller one <laughs> and then that probably didn't help matters because that scared me as a kid too but yeah and then at the edge of that memory is this this horrible one i just relayed but there's none of that kind of terror in turbo kid <laughs> besides all no. the violence and stuff it still remains to be managed and when to be we say <laughs> and when we say violence like we mean like Kill Bill level of like that over the top comedic violence. There, I don't know any other way. And when I say comedy, like you know, you think back to the Roman, like you know, the the, the ancient Greek plays, like they were called comedies and tragedies. But comedy didn't necessarily mean that it was funny, right? Yeah. What's the from one of my. Uh, the bride's favorite movie, Stranger Than Fiction. They're trying to figure out what kind of story this character is in. It's like, are you in a tragedy or a comedy? Tragedy, you die. Comedy, you get hitched. It's just like right. one ends terribly and the other doesn't. Right, right. And so, it, I don't know. But it is co- like comedic. Like, I, th- there was this, the the pool scene, the very first pool scene when they're fighting, like the, like, say hello to Mr. Gnome. That scene. <laughs> Um, it, it, it is, it is graphic, you know, like there's a character, he trips and like his, like he lands on a knife and it goes into his eye and like yeah. the, one of the, like one of the bad guys has like, it's a hammer, which is basically a steel pipe that is like strapped to a cinder block. Like the pipe is strapped <laughs> right, to the yeah. center piece of the cinder block and he uses it like a hammer and like. Uh, and he, and I think, I mean, he's taken from a, that character is specifically taken from a video game. Oh, uh, really? Uh, yeah. It looks very much, it reminds me a lot of uh, a resident, like a, a character from Resident Evil 4, specifically, wow, uh, for the listeners who know that game. But like, uh, he's got a bag, a burlap sack over his head, or uh, Jason Voorhees from like Friday the 13th part two or three uh the one that takes place on the farm with the paraplegic kid uh, see michael or jason Voorhees also wears a burlap sack in that movie it's not actually jason Voorhees though that's the killer um <laughs> sorry spoilers i don't know why that's Spo- funny i haven't seen spoilers that are bound. i mean i've um, seen i've seen the first one of those but that's all and even yeah. that not till a few years ago um but that scene is it, it's gratuitous. It's it's really, 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 really violent. And like that happened to be the scene that where Ash was like, Yeah, I don't want to watch this. Uh <laughs> but I like they're all getting like thing like spurts of blood and all this shit, and I'm laughing my ass off. That's right. it, it's so over the top, it's like comical. Like when the guy trips and lands on the knife in his eyeball, like that. It, it, that starts the fight and it's so funny right. um, i mean i'm trying to think of another movie that has that kind of tone maybe something like evil dead i guess or yeah. evil dead 2 or evil dead 2 definitely the first evil dead is scary right the, yeah like 
it is trying to be a legitimate horror movie and it does a very good job, I think, of doing that. And then this Evil Dead 2, which is essentially a remake of that first one, I think that's where they like have that like comic horror aspect to it. And then Army of Darkness is just I it's like camp fest, you know. Right, yeah. This This was I don't know, this is weird. Or I'm trying to decide like if is it campy? It it, it it's it straddles an interesting line where it's not it's definitely not like upsetting. I mean, I could see why it's upsetting if you're not if you're just walking in and people are being slaughtered. Yeah. Um but yeah. the way that it's all set up and contextualized it's, it is kind of uh it's not I don't know. Yeah, it's not upsetting, but it's also not completely campy. Like there is a and you know, as we discussed, an element of real menace with that that kind of number two with the saw blade hands. Yeah. I have this note here about hammer nunchucks. There's like nunchucks with hammers on the side. Yep. Oh yep. my god. <laughs> There's that. And well, I mean, even Michael Ironside, like he he plays a very straight villain in this. Like he like I have no remorse. Like I'm out for my own agenda, and that's the thing. Like, there's nothing surprising in the whole movie. That that that's the one thing I took from it is like, it it was all pretty predictable, but it was all it all felt fresh. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like nothing was surprising that happened into it. Um, when I was watching it this time, I thought of, uh, I thought of the South Park episode called "The Simpsons Did It." <laughs> and it's where um, Butters is plagued with this. I he keeps he's trying to be a supervillain, and he keeps trying to come up with like supervillain plots. <laughs> and every time he comes up with one, his like sidekick is like, "Oh, the Simpsons did that already." And uh, so yeah. like and and it like plagues him so much that by the the last like ten minutes of the episode. South Park looks like the Simpsons, like the animation style switches. Oh, cool. Yeah. From oh, like South Park style cool. to like Simpsons style. And it takes the chef saying like, you know, just because the Simpsons did it, like, doesn't mean that you can't do it. It's just like they, they refer back to like somebody says something and Butters is like, ha, the Simpsons did that. And it's this episode. And then chef comes out and he's like, well, that's okay because that Simpsons episode was inspired by a Twilight Zone episode <laughs> called This, which was, and so it's like, I because I started to think I was like, you know, I really appreciate this movie because this reminds me about movies that I watched when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But if I was somebody that was born in the last fifteen years who didn't grow up with those movies, I don't know if I could appreciate this movie. And then I started to think, but what if? What if I was like a 15-year-old and happened to stumble across Turbo Kid and then I grew up to become a filmmaker and what if I wanted to pay homage to Turbo Kid and then really what that's doing is just perpetuating the stuff that we appreciate from the 80s. and And that's how you like fall into these cycles of like how everything is secular, you know, like they like the people who made Turbo Kid are guys like us, right? Like who loved all of these things and we're going to put all of these things into a movie because not because we're trying to rip them off just because we love them so much. We like, they probably grew up thinking like, what if there was this element and this element and this element all in the same movie? It's like the, you know, the guys that ultimately like made 
Freddy versus Jason. Like I was that kid in the eighties that was like, what if Freddy and Jason fought? <laughs> and, <Right>. like, <laughs> yeah. and, and then they ultimately made that movie. And I went and saw that movie because I, I spent a decade wondering what that would be like, even though it was a shitty movie, I had to see it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like, so if I was that 15 year old that happened to stumble across turbo kid and because we, you know, we agree, it's a, it, it, it's just a really well-made movie. Like they do the hero's journey very well. They do the, like, there's a lot of 80s tropes that they do very well in this movie. It could be inspirational to that 15-year-old. And then if he grew up and wanted to pay homage to Turbo Kid, that's really how these things just last forever. You yeah. Know? And like, and I, I that to me is like the ultimate like of why this movie is just so fantastic. Because it, yeah. it, it has the potential to do that, to perpetuate... It's- these things that we love. It's so interesting because this plays off of, I don't know if it's last episode or the one before it, where we were talking about something very similar, but from a much less kind of positive bent, more, more of the sense of like, well, this is all just rehashes in kind of a bad way. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, you have to do it right. You feel differently. Yeah. About this one, right? Or yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I mean, because even though there are tons of things that I find familiar in Turbo Kid, I've never seen a movie like Turbo Kid. Oh, that yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I And, well, when you see Cyborg... <laughs> actually, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's a little like Mad Max, Cyborg. too, in a way. I mean, more just... I don't know. <laughs> it's not a lot about Cyborg. Cyborg is weird for me in that it is a... It is a movie that is regarded as bad. And I will acknowledge that, but it, it has a very unsettling nature to it. That's yeah. not really rooted in anything. It's not like there's like stories about the making of it and some evil ingrained in the movie. I don't know. It just is always creeped me out. My brother feels the same way. Um, and that, uh, we may be <laughs> in some kind of minority, but it's weird. Cause it's a similar thing of like, there's not as the violence is not at, quite as big. There are hammer nunchucks exactly, but there are similar like costumes and stuff for the for the for the bad the big bads and stuff. But there's no sense of fun about it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it is. Yeah. Just, but it's also just kind of this in a way. It's just like this cheesy post-apocalyptic action vehicle for Jean Claude Van Damme. Um, so we're yeah. So previously we were ta- we had we were talking about you know, the rehashing of things and the remakes and all, all of this and, or these look back these kind of retro pictures from the eighties and can they be appreciated by these new audiences? And as we were talking about it tonight, I was thinking about it uh, because the crow thing came up earlier. I, as a 14 year old saw the movie, the crow was starred and I went to see it because I was a fan of, of first Bruce Lee and then because he was son of Bruce Lee, Brandon Lee, kind of similar right. to like Stephen King's son we were talking about before, you kind of that's the sort of window into why this person is interesting. And then you appreciate sure. them for who they are. And it was his last movie, so I was curious. Um I saw the movie at which was unlike anything I had ever seen as a 14-year-old. Now, looking back, I could see that it's a combination of this original comic book, but it visually as a movie, it's very much like Blade Runner meets 1989 Batman. 
Um, oh. To the point where the whole ending in the church thing is like just completely the same as 1989 Batman. But, but, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, but for me as a 14 year old kid, that was a new thing that I had this inroad through that was kind of convoluted and had, had nothing to do with any of the history of this book or even the movies that I just mentioned. Um, I was just interested to see this actor's uh, final movie at the end of the screening, which was like a rock concert, like people cosplaying and stuff. And I had never seen uh, this dude stood up and said, the movie sucked. The book is way better. You can get it at my comic shop at, at wherever. So I'm like, Oh, that's right. This is based on a comic. And I loved this. So I went out and got this comic, which truly like changed my life not just in the sense that i went on to try it spend four years remaking the book and the <laughs> comics image but the the things that were contained in the comic which which were so many references to things that were new to me that i could dig into so some yeah. of it's like the music of joy division uh and the cure others is like romantic poets like rambo or Emily Dickinson or like st- also philosophers like Nietzsche and Voltaire and and then certain film references like all of this stuff was completely cracked open to me by this one action movie that right um that when I saw it like you know there was the guy that sort of purist in the front who was like this is bullshit like you have to go check out this book um but all that was like my gateway to that a- as a kid at that age so I I guess I'm starting to think that that kids coming to things like Stranger Things or Turbo Kid now, especially with the tremendous access to all of the the yep. things that you know you hear this influence or that influence and then they they go seek those things out. Um, I don't know. It's an ex, it's an no, exciting idea. Like, you know, as you say, it'll the, continue to perpetuate the evolution of these. Um, well, and that's the thing is, is like, there's like a new, like 14 year old Dave Allman somewhere out there who like probably stumbles across stranger things and then it's on Netflix. So then they, like they recommend turbo kid and they recommend like Kung Fury who like oh, wow. is going to get on eBay and is going to order a laser disc player. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> Oh, maybe just yeah. because they want to do that. And like, and they want to do all these things, and that that, that that's where I think like Holly, and that maybe this is going to help. The, and this is a, a good segue to towards an ending for this episode, it, to bring it back to that conversation on our prior episode, where that's the difference between doing a reboot and doing a send up, right? Like you want to, like a reboot is I'm just trying to cash in on this, this I'm I'm hoping that lightning is going to strike twice. Yeah, or just people and, to get sparked by the the title. You know, there's a, yes, the name recognition yes. and the intellectual property bullshit. That is, Whereas, <laughs> like, you know, Stranger Things, Kung Fury, Turbo Kid are all like, these are the things that I loved, and I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to get other people to love these things too through my art. You know what I mean, and yeah, that's a that's a huge difference, and I, I and I think there are like, and and I don't think their goal is to get the masses to see that they're trying to get those same people like them, those same kids who when you know that were like them when they were kids and yeah. got enraptured in these things, and then 
they're hoping to get that handful of kids that see these this project and they're like, yeah, and then those kids grow up and incorporate what they loved about Turbo Kid and Stranger Things and Kung Fury into their, you know, 2045 projects. Yeah, where they're, some kind of new know, blend. <laughs> some, like, new thing that, like, you know, because there is, there's still, like, new elements in Turbo Kid and, and even Stranger Things. Like, there's new, there's definitely modern feeling things in that. Yeah, modern you know. sophistications kind of mixed with sure. these older and and you know the you combine a couple of things that's no longer the same thing. There's inevitably something new that comes from. I, I guess that's you know not to be overly cliche or reductive, but I guess that's you know that must be how art forms evolve ultimately. But it's a weird way in which kind of the popular, uh, you know. I, I, not to get off on a tangent, it's more just like a really short aside, but similarly, as I've heard about it with music, I heard people talk about, um, you know, don't, in, in music conservatories or something, I heard, so like, don't imitate the people you've heard that your your hero's influences are. Like, don't, whatever, you, you can go back and listen to that fine, but like, don't imitate them. Your heroes imitated them. Go ahead and imitate your heroes. That's how things right. are going to move forward. Right, right. Um, and I just saw tonight, um, I was talking about Bruce Springsteen and stuff. He's got this new book out and he was on the Colbert Report and talking about, or not Report, but what is it Colbert does now? <laughs> the Late uh, Show. The Late maybe. Show, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but they were talking about a big part of like what got Bruce Springsteen playing music was seeing Elvis and the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, which took place in that building. And they're showing that clip. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, you know, this, that's literally the beginning of rock and roll. (laughs) Like that wasn't in our lifetimes, but like we're one like generation removed from the beginning of that art form. Yeah. And, and if you think about how far, how much has changed or cycles that have started, like, uh, you know, movies are not movies are a little older, but, um, I don't know. It's all pretty exciting because this means we'll have cool shit to watch and listen to in the future. <laughs> I well, and I mean, if anything, we're gonna have cool gems to find. Yeah, like yeah. I think you're. I think we're still. We're always. I. It's just the. It's just the the world that we live in. The majority of what we're gonna have available is gonna be shit. And I. I don't think that we're unique in 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 the history of mankind of that. I think. I think at any time period, the majority of like the masses, the mass um, availability of whatever is shit. You got to find the gem, (laughs) you know, like, well, I mean, like, look at, look at painting, you know, there's, there's probably a handful of like true Renaissance artists that we still talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. But there was probably hundreds of Renaissance artists, you know what I mean? Like that were were putting out just shit but there right. was like five that like really like really made it awesome you know and i'm some, basing and, that on teenage mutant ninja turtles so. yes yes <laughs> well i want i'm thinking that number that it wasn't an arbitrary <laughs> number i'm like that's i'm like wonderful. there's yeah there's well, four even t- teenage mutant ninja turtles i mean that yeah. was a spoof yeah. of daredevil <laughs> you know there you go you know that story i don't know the ins and outs of it but but i know that that's the bare bones of it it was like i this did kind not of, know that yeah so uh maybe look uh, it's probably better look that up and get the real story but it, there's this these kind of correlations to 
uh, Daredevil, it's the the hand is the the organization, and and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's the foot, and, oh. and you know Daredevil, he's blinded by the ooze or whatever, and in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they, you know, they they stem from the ooze. anyway. But um, wow, yeah, That's so awesome. like yeah, it's kind of cool the way that those things evolve. Um, Man, well, I mean, right there, that like that like seals the deal. That's it. Fucking turtles, man. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Daredevil. That's like, and, and Turbo Kid's going to spawn like a whole new, like 30 years from now, we're going to be like, we're going to watch something new and we're going to be like, that's fucking Turbo Kid. Right. Yeah. You know what go I mean? Ninja, like, go and then we're going to look and we're going to love it and we're going to be like, I know what that, what, what inspired this and that's awesome. Like, and then we're going to, and we're going to think back to this conversation and be like, that was that kid was like that was like the new Dave right there. He he <laughs> yeah. happened to stumble across this kid who made this. So yeah, that's awesome. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. I have that in my notes, which is obviously from Karate, Karate Kid. So if there's any uh, doubt as to the the lineage of Turbo Kid, <laughs> they're quoting Cobra Kai. I'm in. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So check out Turbo Kid, listeners. Hell yeah, definitely check out. Kung Fury, Turbo Kid, Stranger Things. You should just spend a weekend and binge all that shit. It's good stuff. So. I, I would say if 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 somehow we have female listeners, which just seems unlikely, um, uh, definitely start with Stranger Things. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Just because there's less, true. there's less for. I mean, while Apple is very cool and, and kick some serious ass. The last note I didn't read aloud was, uh, "Are you ready to?" To become a master in the art of kicking ass, which she says before she starts to train him. Uh-huh. I, I, when she throws up the spe- like the spaghettios on his shoulder, and like he's leaning in for the kiss, and she throws up, and she's oh, like, yeah. she's like stegosaurus or whatever. Like she spins up the dino shaped like spaghettios, which oh, somehow survived this apocalypse. Yeah. Like, oh, so good. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, well, this has been a very fun, uh, fun, fun talk, and quite a, absolutely quite a few more drinks than usual. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah I actually like I. I'm I'm feeling pretty good right now. So, <laughs> well, uh, it's I'm, a, a long I'm already gonna have a, some a long drink. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go piss <laughs> again drinks. and go to bed. Yeah. I think I'm gonna finish Children of the Corn because I'm. It's too late here for me to start back on any of my own projects, and I think I've got maybe like 45 minutes left. That seems like a way that to cap like a off great, the night. Cause then that sounds I, like a good good yeah. way. Yeah. Well, then I'm ready going into the weekend for maximum overdrive, <laughs> which is really Man. important. Oh, I'm so excited to hear. I, I need to watch maximum overdrive this weekend then. What was that the might... other one that we said? Maximum overdrive. Oh, and Cyborg. I got to watch Cyborg too. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, hard. Man. It's hard to too heartily recommend Cyborg, but I mean, I love, I love it, and I love Jean Claude. But I can't say there's anyone I'm like, you got to check out Jean Claude Van Damme movies, and they do, and they ever see in them what I do. <laughs> so, well, I think though that's, I think that's everyone though. I mean, because you experience it yourself personally. And what yeah. you really want is other people to experience it the way you do, but they're going to experience it the way they do because yeah. they're their own person, you know? And it's just like you were saying before about the Dark Towers, like, 
you know, you come back to them. They say a lot of, it's like that with a lot of, you know, uh, albums or works of art and stuff. Like you come back to them later in your life and they're different because you're different. Um, right. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's Diving totally into true. A, to, to a deep well there. We'll save for the oh, future. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Deep drink on that one. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is a great episode. Dave, thank you as always. Thank you, I, sir. I love these late night talks. So. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night.